Hello, and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate the weather not knowing if it wants to be hot or cold. <laughs> is it, like, everywhere? All over the place? Yeah, and in the same day. It's, like, 40 degrees in the morning, 85 in the afternoon, and then back down to 40 when the sun goes down. It's completely absurd. That sounds like Ohio. <laughs> yeah. But it's not supposed to be Ohio. It's supposed to be Georgia weather. Exactly. Uh, my name is Kyle, and today I hate working 15-hour days. I would also hate that. That doesn't sound awesome. I did that yesterday. Is that I, because uh, renting out the theater space and your site managing? Yep. Uh, they came in. I did, So I showed up at 845 because I like to give myself 15, 20 minutes to clean at the before they get there because they're supposed to get there at 9. And I get an email saying they won't be there until 10. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. okay, I guess I'm just really going to clean the theater. So I really cleaned the theater for an hour, and they finally got there at 10, and they decorated, and I had to help them do the whole decoration thing, which I didn't want to do, and that sucked, and it was lame. And then they left for like a couple hours, and then came back, and I guess I could have left during those two hours, but like, eh. Like, if I'm not there, I have to clock out, so... And you I live like, a little farther away now, right? How long does it take you to drive to the school? It's like 13 minutes. So, okay, I mean, I still would have like an hour and a half at home. But, yeah. like, I didn't I didn't want to chance it because a lot of times with these groups, they leave, but then, like, people are still filtering in and out all the time. Right. Um, which did not happen yesterday. They were just gone for, like, a solid two hours for lunch or whatever. Um, but I went ahead and stayed there just in case, and I wanted to get paid. And then... They were back at 3, and they did, like, a whole catering thing with all this Indian food. And then they had this show that was supposed to run from 6.30. It was supposed to be three and a half hours, so 6.30 to 10. They didn't get started till 7, and the show ran Mm. four and a half hours. Wow. So it was over, let's see, 7. It was over at, like, 11.30 or 11.25 at night. And then I didn't leave until a little after midnight. So I was there at 8.45 in the morning, and I left a little after midnight. So do they have to pay more if they stay away later? I mean, they're just they're paying. We charge by hour based on what they're doing in the space. So, like, the fact that the show went longer cost them an extra 120 bucks. Yeah, okay. Well, that's – I mean, obviously, it doesn't help you working that long, but at least it's not like they can just stay however they want with no consequences. Right. It's like – it's by hour, so – um, I've been considering writing something into the contract that if they go over a certain amount of time for when they are booked, there's an additional fee. I think I should probably do that just for my own sanity. Well, and um, like if, if they stay past a certain hour, like if right. they're there past 11 o'clock, there's an additional fee that, cause that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's for them, late. it's fine. If like the people that are there, they're enjoying it, whatever, that's fine. But you also have to like you have to close the stuff down afterwards. Right. Like that that happens at you know wedding venues and other places that you ran out. If you they, they have a la- they have an end date, like hey, you have to be out at this time because our employees still have to do shit afterwards. Oh, uh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Whatever, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm 25, and they made me site manager, and nobody knows anything about it. Like, no one has any idea. They just, like, you're, it's your thing. You do it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, this is a poorly, poorly planned deal here. <laughs> Let's give this, give this guy 
with no experience in this kind of a job, the whole thing, where no one can help him because no one knows what they're doing. Right, that's the issue. Because the, the, it being your thing, I think it's fine. Because you've been doing this now for a couple of years. This is my second year okay. like, scheduling everything. Right, yes. But before that, you had... you. I never remember as long would have you be on site. Yeah. So yeah. at least like you had that stuff up and running. But the the problem for me is that there's no one else that knows how to do it. Because right. like what if you're what if you're gone that weekend? Exactly. Well, then what are well they that, that's do? the thing is like if I'm sick and I have to like have my co director or Miss Long come in and work for me. I mean Miss Long obviously knows how to do everything, but my co director does right. not, and so they're just calling me the whole time while I'm uh. sick, asking me how to do everything. And yeah. I'm not getting paid for it, man. Yeah. You should charge by the minute. Like a, <laughs> like a sex phone operator. <laughs> 99 cents for your first five minutes and three ninety nine for every additional minute. Call to five, ask me five, questions five, about Kyle. how to raise the and lower the psych. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to release the break. And, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so f- 15 hours yesterday. And um, so today is my fiance's birthday. And so she went yeah. out with a bunch of friends last night and got uh, really, uh, let's say, drunk. Um, and I so can identify I, with after, that. Yeah, after the show, I had to go pick her up and take her home. So this morning we had to wake up early and then mm-hmm. go get her truck and uh, come back. Okay. Right. So yes, that sounds like a bad thing to have to do the morning after you get really drunk is wake up early and go pick up your car. Yeah, and have to wake up early after working a fifteen-hour day. <laughs> that <laughs> N- yes, neither that, of us that, were happy about well. waking up early. <laughs> right. Right. But, uh, yeah, but we're up and uh, we're alive. Kelly and I also got very drunk last night. Last night was Cinco de Mayo, obviously, recording this on a Sunday. So I guess belated happy Cinco de Mayo to everyone. And yeah. happy belated um, Star Wars Day. More importantly, belated mm-hmm. Star Wars Day. Uh, I It was funny. I, I went and saw Avengers on Friday on May the 4th. And it was just like a... I felt very um, nerd happy that day. Because it was Star Wars Day. And I was seeing Avengers. It was It was... It was a fun Friday. And, and it was also Friday. Like, I was leaving work and like, oh, man, Star Wars Day and I'm going to see Avengers tonight. It was good times. Nice. Um, yeah, so happy belated important holidays to everyone. Um, my voice is a little lower than normal. And uh, it's probably because I had a lot of vodka last night. Um, <laughs> I ended up, so Kelly and I, we were drinking at, at home because that's what we do. And, of course, she fell asleep by, like, 11 p.m. We had fun. She fell asleep by 11 p.m. And so then I'm sitting there by myself, drunk, watching the Jersey Shore because I don't want to go to sleep drunk. I need to let it kind of leave my system so that I'm not feeling awful in the morning. So that was a bizarre experience, just sitting on my couch, casually drinking water and watching a bunch of 23-year-old Italian just gross meatheads yell at each other those people man they just kelly and i always say they look like they just smell awful like because they're just covered in the uh like sun tanning spray and just gross stuff and so and they always look oily and yeah, the just dudes because Yes, because the dudes are so jacked, they sweat a lot too. Like dudes that have that big of muscles all the time sweat a lot. 
And so they're just like sweaty and greasy and oily and covered in this orange just spray and it they just they look like they smell like shit. <laughs> so yeah. That was my uh, evening last night. So it was obviously more fun than yours, I guess fair to say. Yeah, I would apologize if you're uh, a spray tanning, jacked up <laughs> Italian from the shore. I'm not sure how many of those folks are listening to the Shea Hits Everything podcast where we talk about video games most of the time. All it but, takes uh, is one. Yeah, if there is anyone listening, um, maybe don't use the spray tan stuff because it's disgusting and you don't look good you don't look good no one is buying this you're orange um you're (laughs) the thing yeah uh i guess before we dive into some stuff i did want to make a housekeeping note so i'm trying to up my marketing game for SheaHatesEverything.com, considering I'm a professional marketer and I have not been putting forth that time and effort into my own website because I'm a lazy piece of shit. So, <laughs> I can finally announce now that all of our show notes are uploaded on SheaHatesEverything.com for all past episodes, and, and I'll continue to do it for future episodes. It They may not go up the day the podcast goes up, but it will be within the next day or two. So... Those are very useful if you are listening to the podcast, hear us talking about something in the news section, and you're like, oh, I'd like to read more about that. Go to ShadesEverything.com. I have a podcast section where you can find the episode, and I have links to all of the news stories that we talk about. So that's a really important thing that I should have been doing since day one. But hey, it only took me a little less than a year. So now we're doing it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, check those out. I try to write, like, all the games and stuff we talk about, um, movies and everything, as well as the news and hate of the week. I try to highlight everything. So if you haven't had time to listen to an episode, you can check that out, too, and kind of get an overview of what we talk about in that episode. So you can skip around if you need to do that. So with that out of the way, let's talk about what we've been playing and watching, etc. the past two weeks. Um, so, so you already I, mentioned... Right. That you saw the biggest, most pre-sale ticket, ticketist movie to date. Yes. Yes. I actually, I had a bit where I wasn't going to talk about Avengers until the very end and make it like, oh, right. And I also saw the Avengers, Meh, whatever. And but it like was, was going to be super funny, but I ruined it. It's well, not your fault. I ruined yeah, it because I brought it up yeah. earlier on. So And also... Mm-hmm. That bit is only funny for you and not the people listening. That's not true. You're wrong. No, Everyone, I'm right. Everything I'm I say right. is hilarious. I'm no, a comedic genius. Because the whole time they'd be sitting there like, they're, they're, they're not talking about Avengers? What's going on? And then like <laughs> they have to listen to the whole shitty podcast to get to the part <laughs> they want to listen to. <laughs> right. That's fair. Yeah, but see, but that's the whole – that again, that's that marketing because now we're going to talk about Avengers first and then they won't have to listen to the rest of the shitty podcast. Before, I was going to kind of you know put it in during the middle so they had to get through it so at least they were sticking around for the first 45 minutes. Now we're going to lose them after 20 minutes. Well, hey, we don't have ads yet. That's true. Who, who gives it? <laughs> so Don't care. download. There's a there's a fantasy football podcast that I listen to, and they always are, they always are like download. Don't listen. 
Like we know our podcast is terrible. Just download it. That's how we get credit. That's how our employers know that we're succeeding is the amount of downloads. So just <laughs> download, funny. don't listen. So you That's can do funny. that for us too. Download, don't listen. Uh, and tell your friends to download, don't listen. If they don't <laughs> like video games, if they've never seen a movie before because they're a monster, just tell them to download the podcast. It helps us out and they don't have to put up with us for two and a half hours every other week. It's a win-win. But yes, <laughs> Avengers. So I saw Avengers. Yeah. Um, it was good. I liked it. There is space around those sentences because it wasn't amazing. Yeah. Like it didn't blow me away. Um, I was reading through my Marvel movie ranking and I realized, first of all, that this is the 19th Marvel movie we've gotten. Jeez. And the first Iron Man came out in 2018. So it's been 10 years of or Marvel Studios films. Yes, 2008. Thank you. So it's been 10 years of Marvel Studios films. So we've got 19 movies in 10 years. It's almost two That's a, a lot. year. That's too many. That's a lot. That is too many. I absolutely agree. And I think that's part of the reason why I wasn't as hyped for this and why it didn't hit it, it didn't hit me as hard as I maybe wanted it to is just because there have been so many. I just am frankly kind of burnt out of the superhero movies. I, yeah, I've been burnt which out on them. I know like I know we talked about this cuz like, you know, they put out the trailers for the next Ant-Man film and I'm like I like I'm sure it'll be funny. I love Paul Rudd, but like I just don't really care. And yeah. I there was a it was less of that for Avengers because it is Avengers. It's a big event, et cetera. So there's that kind of hype. And I was more excited the day of, like when I got home from work and we were going to see it in like two hours and I was thinking about it and like, I actually did get excited because it was like, yes, it's this big temple moment. Uh, you know, everybody on the internet's already been talking about it. Cause this is like the first movie in however long that I didn't see the opening weekend. I had to wait a week cause I forgot to get tickets and then they were sold out, which really sucked. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. It it was very I, it's it's in the top half of Marvel movies. It's not like it was bad, of which there are really only like three or four bad Marvel movies. But it's not like like it didn't hit me like Civil War did, which is still I think probably my favorite Marvel movie, Marvel superhero movie. Um, hmm. But like it's better than Age of Ultron, the previous Avengers. So I mean, it's very good. Um, it's all set up like ninety percent set up for part two that comes out next year or whatever they're going to call Avengers four, just because there are so many characters. Now there's so much going on and they're all displaced in different places because of the, you know, preceding movies that there's just a lot of plates to be spinning. And I think the Russo brothers do a really good job of keeping all of those plates spinning and like not spending too much time in any one area where you forget what was happening in the other one. They kind of jump back around in, pretty smart succession but the fact that they do a good job of spinning the plates doesn't take away from the fact that there are just too many plates that are spinning um so they do the best they can but it's still just a little bit too much like there's like one story too many i will say it's fun now that because the cast is so expanded there are plenty of characters that have never met before. And so you're seeing them interact for the first time, like Tony Stark and Doctor Strange meet for the first time. And they're, they kind of butt heads, and that's really funny because they're personalities. Thor meets up with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's a really fun back and forth. And it was very telling to me, which I found when I saw the trailers too, where I was like, during the trailers, I'm like, ah, yeah, okay, cool, Avengers, whatever. And then when the Guardians come in at the end of the trailer, that's when I was like, oh, okay, awesome. 
it was very telling that like the Guardians of the Galaxy are my favorite group of all the Marvel stuff. Yeah. It was totally the same in the movie. So I won't, without going into spoilers, they set up whatever's going on in the beginning. And I, the whole time I'm like, all right, all right, all right, fine. And then the the Guardians come in and then I was like, okay, now I'm excited to watch this movie. <laughs> so it's just very telling that they're my favorite group. Um, but I, I don't know, man. It's just, it, that's really kind of what takes away a lot of my, not my enjoyment, because I did still enjoy the movie, but just that there's so much setup about what Thanos is doing and so much recapping where all the Infinity Stones are, what they are, what they can do, what the current status quo is of all the characters, all the introductions that need to happen. There's just so much setup of what's happening that it doesn't feel like there's a ton of story. Like It feels like some wheels are spinning. There's yeah. also some there are a couple of B stories that happen that either weren't super interesting to me, which is partially because they were happening with characters that I'm less invested in, but also that like there there's a whole B story with the Hulk, which I won't go into, but it comes out of nowhere and it feels very unjustified and then it doesn't resolve. And it was just like like it feel like it feels like it was a mistake that they like they didn't give any context for what was happening or any resolution or even like a cliffhanger of you know we'll, you'll get a resolution in the next one it just felt like this really weird sidebar that in the story like you could argue that the story happened because it justified some of the events of the film which is bad writing in the first place but it didn't even do that like, I was talking about it with Kelly after, and if you changed that story, it wouldn't have changed anything that happened in the movie. So it's a completely superfluous story, and it doesn't resolve. I don't know. That that part of it really bugged me. Um, mm. But seeing all of them interact was really fun. Um, I don't know. It's just it's, – it's very clear what characters – matter the most like obviously tony stark gets a lot of screen time in this thor gets a lot of screen time in this like the bigger characters are the ones that get all the focus and so a lot of the b characters get like a couple lines one action sequence that kind of thing which i get it but it doesn't make it any less feeling like some of these characters got short shrifted uh and even characters that i like that kind of got short shrifted um Spider-Man is good. Tom Holland is just the best. I love him as Spider-Man. Uh, it's just really fun to see him. Don't make that face. You didn't even see the damn movie, <laughs> so you can't There's say There's a anything. reason. There's a reason I didn't see the movie. Because Tom uh, Holland. I don't get that. Why? I just... It doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't like him. I don't like him as that character. But you haven't seen him as that character. All well, I saw the trailers. Little, right. You've seen little snippets of a trailer. Yeah. That's like that's like judging an entire four course meal because you took a bite of the potatoes and we're like, ah, this is a little under seasoned. No, that's yes. not no, that's not a perfect analogy. It's more like um I judge a whole four course meal by tasting the potatoes and I can see the rest of the food and smell it, and it doesn't seem like it's gonna be good. Well, I'm telling you, you're wrong. It's one of the best meals I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Our taste buds are different, Shay. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I, there's there's another part where uh, the internet has been kind of freaking out because um, Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, you know what character I'm talking about? Yeah. 
So she, when she's introduced in Age of Ultron, her and Quicksilver, they're from um, Sokovia. And so they have these Sokovian accents, very much like Russian accents. They're very thick. In Civil War, her accent was a little bit less. Like, she's, it was still there, but it was a little, like, inconsistent. In this movie, she just sounds like an American woman. Like, she's Weird. just a person. And so it's like, what the fuck happened to her accent? And, and <laughs> like, like, three years have passed, but, like... Think about That's real not... life. If someone lives in Russia their whole life and they move to America, they don't lose their accent after no. three years. It was just a really weird that I honestly didn't even notice. But afterwards, Kelly was like, what the hell happened to Elizabeth Olsen's accent? It was completely gone. And so sure enough, we go online to look on the Internet and everybody's like, dude, what? What happened? Like, was this a mistake? Did the script supervisor fall asleep? And like, why did no one raise their hand? And it's probably because Elizabeth Olsen just didn't want to have to take more dialect classes. So she's like, yeah, can I maybe not do this anymore? And like, yeah, sure. No one will No one will know. There's so much fucking shit happening on it. No one's going to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, it's not like the fan base for this film dissects each one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No one's yeah. going to notice. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and I guess the only other thing that I would mention, without going into spoilers here, the ending is... It's a cliffhanger because of what's going to happen in the next one, obviously, with Thanos and the uh, Infinity Stones and the Gauntlet, etc. It's a very dark ending. Like, it kind of reminds me of Empire Strikes Back ending, where it's like, holy shit, that's the end of the movie? Like, that's... Not only is it a cliffhanger, but, like, shit's kind of fucked right now. Uh, Which I liked... It had a little. Uh, I can't really go into it because I don't want to spoil anything. Maybe we can. Talk can I about tell it next you episode. what I hope happens? Because I haven't ahead. seen it yet. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to confirm or deny. But right, go ahead. right. I really want Jeremy Renner to fucking die <laughs> in real life. But, yeah, but also like you know, I understand. I don't get everything I want, but this right. would be like a good stopgap measure if he dies in Infinity War. Oh my god, I would be so fucking happy if Hawkeye's dead. I love Hawkeye as a character. Jeremy Renner's right. a sack of dicks as Hawkeye. I don't... He sucks butt. I See, I he don't agree. Nothing, I, he does nothing with Hawkeye. I disagree. I really like him. I think that the writing has underserved him. His character has never gotten to do... He, he's never gotten to be more than a B-tier character in these movies. I like him. It, it's difficult because in the Joss Whedon days... Everyone was a wit master in these films because that's how he writes his characters. Everyone is kind of the same character because they're all smarmy and sarcastic. And I love Joss Whedon. He's a very talented creator, but his writing bugs me a little bit because it's like who can outwit the other one in every fucking scene. And that's just not reality. Not every character is funny. Like you look at a character like Thor, which I also think, I think Thor has been underserved because one, I don't think Chris Hemsworth has any charm or personality and I don't think he's funny but Thor also isn't funny or charming he is very stilted Shakespearean dude and that's where the comedy comes from much like Steve Rogers the comedy comes from him being a fish out of water and him not getting modern times he's not a funny joke character it's the irony of that makes it funny it's the same for Thor but they try to because Joss Whedon wrote that character he's like a jokey dude sometimes which he isn't in the regular Thor movies until Thor Ragnarok which is straight up trying to be a buddy comedy which is why the film didn't work for me because it was trying way too hard 
we're going off on a real big tangent. But that's why I think Hawkeye has been a problem is because of Joss Whedon's writing. Hawkeye is a very sarcastic, smarmy character. But he blends into the background because so is everyone else in Avengers. But also Jeremy Renner sucks. And that's the part I don't agree with. I like Jeremy Renner. Kelly feels, I mean, not as passionately as you, but she feels similarly that there's just something about him as an actor that is unlikable, much like Bradley Cooper. There's something about Bradley Cooper that is just kind of unlikable. And I get that. I don't agree, but I there I agree. Like, there is something about him that I get why you might not like him. But I think he's a very good actor. I like him as, as Hawkeye. But I understand what you're saying. I will say he doesn't... Jeremy Renner does not die in Infinity War. <laughs> God damn maybe it. The, maybe the character does, but Jeremy Renner does oh, not die. okay. <laughs> I won't spoil that. But, so the ending, it's a pretty dark ending that it... Which I appreciated, but because of the fact that it's a superhero movie, it didn't impact me the way that it was supposed to. I'll say that much. And so with that, I was a little bit like, mm, a little underwhelmed. But, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, I read an internet comment that changed my perspective on the ending in a positive way. Which that may does be not the seem first, possible. That may be the first time in the history of the world that an internet comment has changed someone's <laughs> mind in a positive way. And I'm happy that it's happened to me. So yeah. I have not written my review yet. It will be coming this week. Um, but I'm glad that I read this comment because, and not even just specific to this movie, but in film writing in general, obviously I'm a pretty big cynic. I like to poke holes in things because I have pretty high standards when it comes to writing. And this particular thing, I was just like, oh, well, because of this reason, this event isn't as cool as they're making it seem like it is. But the comment was like, it's not about what you think the impact of this is it's about what the actual characters in the film think the impact of this event is and i was like damn you just blew my mind you're right it's not about what i think matters and what i know and what i think will happen from the consequences of this it's about diving into the circumstances of the characters and saying they think that this thing means this that is pretty fucking dark so I liked that, and now I have a better appreciation for the end of the movie. Obviously, if you like Avengers and you like Marvel stuff, you're going to go see this. You don't need my recommendation. But it is good. I, I had a good time throughout. Are you planning on seeing it? Uh, tell me after the podcast if Hawkeye dies. If he does, I'll see it. If he doesn't, I'm not going to bother watching. <laughs> okay. Well, there's something I – okay. All right. I will. I don't, I don't want to say anything else. Um, all right. <laughs> okay, so what, what else have you been doing? Oh man. Um, so I guess let me say, so here's the joke that I was going to make. So I realized a couple of weeks ago, I think it was like after last episode that I had only seen two movies that released in 2018, which is not very many movies. And obviously I went to all Avengers. I'm seeing Deadpool in, in a couple weeks. I'm seeing Solo a couple weeks after that. So I'm seeing a little bit more stuff this month. But I had only seen two movies. And as someone who likes to see a lot of films, I want to write another top ten list at the end of 2018. I needed to see more 2018 movies. So I went and saw four more movies we got. We rented. I saw four more films, all of which released last year. 
So I'm not really helping seeing 2018 <laughs> movies part, but I wanted to see all four of these. So we saw I, Tanya, which is about Tanya Harding. It's the like kind of satirical biopic about Tanya Harding, who I don't know if you know who that is. She's um, I know the famous name. Fig- She's a famous figure skater that uh, was competing in the Olympics. There was a big drama thing because uh, the figure skater, American figure skater that she was competing against, one a dude that Tanya Harding knew hit this other chick in the leg and like broke her knee so that she couldn't compete. And it was this huge thing. And so she was banned and had all her awards stripped and could never compete again. And it was this huge thing that happened. I think it was like in the early 90s, uh, maybe mid 90s. Um, because so they some made guy a, she knew did it. Yeah. What? But there was, but there was a conspiracy that like she hired this guy, and like we still don't have all all the facts because obviously she still maintains her innocence of knowing about what was happening. Yeah, I mean, if you can't prove it, they shouldn't have fucking done anything. But there, it's more complicated than that. I'm not gonna okay. go into the whole, every detail of this. Okay. But they had they had proof that it, it doesn't matter. So the movie. It stars ah shit I can't remember the actress's name the chick that played Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad, sure, yeah so she plays Tanya Harding, and she's a very attractive person and they do a really good job of making her not as attractive and not to be mean about Tanya Harding but her as a person the perception of her at the time was she was very white trash like figure skating was and still is it's like horseback riding like it's a thing that rich people are into tennis like it's a very um buttoned up kind of sport that there's a lot of pomp and circumstance around and a lot of fanciful whatever and so she came in wearing her denim cut off shorts and like she couldn't afford to have nice whatever outfits and so she was just kind of sneered on and so they do a good job of making this actress who is extremely attractive seem white trash and so that was impressive to me because a lot of times they try to do that with these like a-list hollywood actors that are crazy attractive they try to make them look like bums and it fails and it actually succeeds in this uh it was really it's it's a very funny movie but it doesn't really it, it doesn't really know what it wants to be like sometimes it's just a comedy sometimes it's far more like farcical and satirical in its comedy and then other times like it wants you to take these emotional moments very seriously and it just i liked it but the whole thing just doesn't totally gel it's a little all in too many directions um okay. But, you know, I did really like it, and it was, it was cool to see, because Kelly loves, she's fascinated by this story. She's watched a bunch of documentaries, and I've seen a couple with her. And so it's cool to see these events, which are all still, I mean, quote-unquote factual. Like, they don't make up a ton of stuff that isn't in the documentaries, but just kind of told in a different way, in a more comedic light. I, I enjoyed that aspect. Okay. We also saw Downsizing which is the Matt Damon movie where he shrinks. It's Honey, I Shrunk the Damon. Um, you had me at Matt Damon. Right, I know. I, I'll see anything that dude does. I don't even care. He's amazing. Um, this was a weird one. So it wasn't really what I expected it to be. So, well, maybe it was. I don't even know. So, like, it seems like it's a fairly lighthearted comedy that kind of has the themes about um what really matters in life and like materialism that sort of thing and it definitely is about that but it's also really about 
what we are doing to the environment and the end of the world. And it kind of gets a little dark at times and hmm. kind of a little preachy as well, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I, I liked it, but it, I don't know. It, it wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be because it kind of cared more about its themes than its characters and its story. There okay. isn't even really a story. It's just kind of like Matt Damon shrinks. This is his new status quo. And now he's living in the status quo. And that's the movie, which is a bit weird. Uh, we also saw Coco, which is a recent Pixar ah, film. Coco. Is that the toucan thing or the parrot thing? No. What no? What parrot thing? I thought oh, that's Rio, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think that yeah, but I don't think that's a Disney movie. I think that that's like a Dreamworks bullshit. Oh, uh, okay. But so this it's um it's like uh Dia de los Muertos is when it takes place. And okay. it's it takes place in Mexico. It's this little, you know, Mexican kid that he's lo- he loves music. And so he gets this magical guitar, and he, like, transports to the world of the dead. And that's kind of the adventure that he goes on. I don't know, dude. It, I didn't really like it, and Kelly didn't like it either. It's just kind of boring. And the kind of the worst thing about it is it takes place in this really interesting world. Not even just in Mexico, and where it can talk about that culture. But also that it takes place on Dia de, Dia de los Muertos, where he goes to the land of the dead. And it's like... They talk about these, you know, spirit guide animals that everybody has, and they kind of guide the dead people and blah, blah, blah. And it just doesn't really make good use of that. They, they don't really dive into building the world much. And I compare it to a movie like Zootopia, which obviously very different conceit, but Zootopia takes place in this interesting twist on our world where it's like re- the real world but everything's animals and right. this is like it's like the real world but it's Everyone's dead people dead. in mexico <laughs> yeah but like fun skeletons not like creepy ones um and zootopia does an awesome job with all the little intricacies and little background things that tell a story of their own and are like really funny takes on things this movie just doesn't do any of that it doesn't really it doesn't really teach you anything about Mexican culture and Dia de los Muertos and all this stuff. I didn't really feel like I learned anything, which mm. to me is important in a Pixar movie like this where they, they they look at a culture or at a thing and they have a lot to say about it. It didn't really feel that way. And also just the story's kind of uninteresting. Um, there, there's a fun twist that I didn't see coming until like the last second. I was like, oh shit, this is going to happen. And then it did like immediately afterward. So that I appreciated because that doesn't happen very often, especially in a movie that's primarily geared towards kids. But it's just I don't know. It was just kind of boring. It it was it, it was it was a missed opportunity. It felt like um, a rare miss for Pixar, I would say. And then finally, we watched The Disaster Artist, which ah. is the uh, kind of mockumentary about Tommy Wiseau making the room, and this. Like I can say this without hyperbole, James Franco should have been nominated for best ass, best actor at the Academy Awards for this role. He was absolutely phenomenal, and it's not just like he was doing a really good Tommy Wiseau impersonation, like a, that it was very funny, but he brings this like pathos to the character, like where you feel for him sometimes, which I have never felt for the actual Tommy Wiseau <laughs> because he's like, yes, is he dumb? Sure, but he's also just kind of a 
douchebag in real yeah. life. Like, he's kind of a selfish prick. And he's very childish. He's immature. And, like, I don't know if he has mental issues or what the thing is. But, like, you kind of want to pity him because he obviously just doesn't know. But that doesn't excuse the way he treats people. Right. And, like... This, you know, this film was made with the blessing of Tommy Wiseau, and it's based on the book that uh, Tommy Wiseau's friend, Greg, the dude who, or that plays, I think the character's name is Greg. No. Mark. Mike. Mark. Mark. Thank you. Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. I should have known. <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> so it's based on the book that the real life Mark wrote about his experience working with Tommy Wiseau on this film. So all of that's been like vetted. They add a couple little things here and there because it is a movie after all. But uh, I don't know, dude. I, I loved it. It was absolutely awesome. Um, the weak link to me is Dave Franco, who plays Greg. Because uh, all the other, I mean, especially James Franco's, but all the other characters, because there are tons of cameos from like James Franco's buddies. Uh, you know, Seth Rogen's in it. Um, Paul Shear's in it. Like a, a lot of funny people are in it and play characters, and they all do a good job of kind of transforming to be like these real life people. But yeah. Dave Franco is just Dave Franco in like everything you've seen him. He does that stuttering way of speaking that just annoys me. Uh, so he was kind of the weakest part of it, but it was very funny and honestly made me, I felt more sorry for James Franco's Tommy Wiseau than the real Tommy Wiseau. So good on him <laughs> for that. Um, yeah, I guess that's all the movies and stuff that I've seen, which, granted, is still a lot. Have you watched anything? Um, Kara and I watched Vampire's Kiss. Uh, with, what the uh, hell is that? Nicholas Cage. Oh, okay. Uh, it, where that he sounds thinks he's like, a vampire. It sounds like a Skinamax, like, softcore vampire porn. Uh, <laughs> Vampire's it, Kiss. Late night. I, <laughs> I will say that movie is just one giant walking meme. The whole okay. movie is a meme. So you know that picture of Nick Cage where he's like jutting his head forward and his eyes yes. are really big. He looks crazy. Yes. That's from this movie. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. And then, have you ever seen the clip of him going A B C D E F G like screaming the alphabet? Uh, possibly. It okay. sounds familiar. Also from, from this movie. as well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it has a. Like, I mean, a, it's. The movie's hilarious. It, it's, In fairness, pretty much Nick, Cage, Nick Cage's entire career is a meme factory. Yeah, for sure. But this is just like young Cage unleashed. Like mm -hmm. It's literally like the directors just said, do whatever the fuck you want, man. <laughs> and he just went nuts. Yeah. And like most of it doesn't make sense and it's inconsistent. And there's like this weird side plot. Uh, and it's very, I think it's, the movie, I think it's trying to be ambiguous about whether or not he's actually a vampire or whether he's crazy. But mm. then it, like, does a hard turn where it's like, yeah, he's definitely crazy. But then at the end it's like, oh, oh well, maybe. Okay. And that, yeah, it's – the movie doesn't know what it wants to do. It just want it's an excuse for David – or for Nicolas Cage to go crazy. Let's um, do that. Because that's kind of an interesting concept. Like, is he actually a vampire, or is he just crazy? That's kind of cool. And, and it is interesting for, like, the first half of the movie, and then it's just like, yeah. no, this guy's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and then it, like, it sort of tries to backpedal on it a bit at the end, and it just doesn't doesn't come together. But um, I had seen it before, uh, okay. but Kara had not, and so that was uh, her virgin vampire's kiss experience, <laughs> um, which is always a special one. It's one to remember. <laughs> right. Sounds um, like I need to see it. Yeah, it's boy, it's a treat. They did a giant bomb did a film in forties with it, which okay. I think is also a really good way to watch it. Because uh, okay. like just 
I mean, well, because you and Kelly get drunk on the weekend sometimes. That's a fun mm-hmm. way to watch it if it's the two of you together drunk. But mm-hmm. uh, if it's just you and you don't feel like drinking, I would do film in 40s. It's better where, with a crowd. Where did you watch it? I bought it on Blu-ray. Uh, <laughs> the only well, the only way I could get it on Blu-ray was in this double pack with High Spirits or something. I don't know, some other stupid movie. Um, what are you doing, man? It was, te- it was $10. That? It was $10. It adds up. Amazon free shipping. Uh, hey, I want to own the entire Film and 40s collection on Blu-ray. That's my right. goal. I have a goal. At least you didn't say the entire Nick Cage collection. No. I was waiting for that. And Although that I, I was going to have to veto. Well, because Film and 40s is doing a Nick Cage uh, hits okay. uh, series at the moment. So all of so them that I have worst. been buying are, are yeah, um, Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And I, I want to grow my Blu-ray collection. <laughs> with, with a bunch of garbage awful movies yeah, complete trash um it's like well, what have you been uh what games you've been playing um mostly just god of war uh have you been have you played any more god of war nope oh man are you are you giving up uh maybe for that's now that's too bad that's too bad and not not just because i think it's good but because i i want people to like things that are good things um, but yeah, so I've been playing, I put a lot of time into God of War the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm definitely with you cause you were a little farther than I was last time. And I'm definitely with you now on kind of the area design and the backtracking, which I re- I still haven't had to do a ton of, but it certainly doesn't look like that will be fun. And it looks like there will be a lot of it. Yeah. My biggest frustration is the, the, the level gating. So like. I got to a point at the Lake of Nine where I unlocked another level. So, like, I went and did the story. I came back, and the water goes down another level. So there's even more areas that I can explore. And I can go back to a lot of the ones that were initially there that I couldn't before because the guys were too hard, and I can fight those guys. But now it's just a whole other level of guys that are too hard to fight. And that inherently isn't a problem. Like, I don't really think that's a super fun thing. but. I can accept that. The issue for me is you don't know they're too high level until you get there and they kick your ass. Right. So like, and it's because, cause there are these, you know, floating, um, magical orb things that you interact with that summon the hard enemies. Some of which I can fight and some yeah. of which are way too high level. Like I th- those I just things level- should have a level on the orb to let you know. Agreed. Or some better visual indicator, which I thought I had figured out because it looked like if it was purple, there were super hard guys. And then when you beat them, it turns blue, which where you get an item. And I thought that's what had happened. And so then I went and touched a blue one. And sure enough, out come three level six ice guys who do these crazy fucking ice attacks that kill me in one hit. And I was like, okay, well, I I, I did beat those guys, but that was really hard. That was a hard one. It's a different thing then, because if you were like level two or three, there is zero chance that you could have. Because I, I was doing no damage to them when I was hitting them. Yeah, I mean, I was basically doing no damage to these guys, but it was just war of attrition and just dodging their attacks for a really long time. I don't believe you that you I, beat those. That guys. fight took me like fifteen minutes. Did you unlock the second level of the water thing? Yeah. I guess oh, I did. I, I guess I did play a little more after the last podcast, but I haven't played yeah. in like a week. 
Okay, I didn't realize that you you were that you were significantly farther than I was last time we talked. Then, um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I've played even past that, and I've kind of I've explored everywhere I can on that second level, and now I'm going back to the story. So let's see, when did that game come out? April twentieth. I don't know if we want to go into spoilers still. I guess it, I mean it's an early spoiler, right? But like about the realms is kind of what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So initially, I had made it to the elf realm. And that's where I had stopped. And then I played again, and I beat that and got back and played a little bit more in okay. the Lake of the Nine. Okay, yeah. So, right. All right. So I beat the Elf Realm, obviously came back at the second level of the water. But I also, because I found enough... There are just there are so many fucking collectibles, it's too much things that level up, and I'm just I I always like I'll find a thing and it'll pop up the little box of like it's a legendary whatever and it has the description. I'm like okay, I still I don't know what the fuck this is trying to say. Right. Is this an enchantment? Is it something I use to level up something else? It's just I'm confused all the time by what that stuff is saying. But the actual collect collectibles where you get like the scrolls and that sort of thing, the treasure maps, there's one where it's like language. And right. so Atreus is learning a, a dwarven, I think, language. Atreus. Is it Atreus? I thought yeah. it was Atreus. No, it's ah, Atreus. Fucking, I, don't, I don't know. I can't understand a single fucking word Kratos said. Dude, it's Teal'c. It's Teal'c, bro. Ba, 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 boy. Ba, 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 boy. That's all I ever hear him say is boy. Indeed. <laughs> I've been waiting for Kratos to say indeed. <laughs> uh so yeah, the language one yes yeah, so i got enough of the language things where i unlocked another realm and so it's like the fire realm and there doesn't seem to be a ton there that is where the shit it's not like a horde mode it's like a challenge mode basically uh, and so you go you interact with this big sword and so the first round was i had to kill x amount of dudes super fast and they're like three levels and so i beat that and i got some cool reward from it and then i went to interact with the second one and then it's like you have to kill them no i'm wrong the first one was i don't remember but the second one was you have to kill them all in uh uh like less than two seconds of each other so it's like you have to kill four enemies within two seconds of each other which was far more difficult because like you need to wear them all down to the end and then whatever and it I got through all of the levels except for the final one because then it throws the burrowing creatures at you. And those are – they're hard to get all in a row together right. where you can hit them all at the same time. So anyway, I tried a couple times, kept failing, and so I gave up on that and I was like, I'll come back later. So it doesn't seem like there's a ton in the Fire Realm, um, but it's at least – like it's a new visual thing, which is what I liked about the Elf Realm was it's like – it's literally this other universe, this other world that looks very different, which is cool. Right, that also has uh, oxygen. <laughs> Whatever. It's fucking Norse <laughs> mythology. Who gives a shit? That's what you're worried about, that it has oxygen? Come yeah, on. Yeah, dude. World Serpent, I'm okay with that. Um, oxygen, so come on. did you... So there are dragons in this game. Yeah. Right? I'm assuming you saw the first dragon. Uh-huh. That was a side area. Yes. Okay. There's another dragon that's a side area that I also did. Yeah, but there's me too. a dragon that's in the main quest. Right. Did you find you found that dragon? Uh-huh. Okay. That was awesome, I thought. Without going into the details of it, I loved that sequence. Yeah. Um <laughs> I would say I had a I had a lot of frustration with the mechanics of that really? sequence. 
Like you yeah. didn't understand what you were supposed to do? No, I knew what I was supposed to do, but like it, I was having trouble getting it to work consistently hmm. for some hmm. reason. Um, okay. So it's, like, it's like ti- the, it was the a timing scene, thing. Yeah, the cutscene part of it was very cool. It was direct. Yeah, well. and it was one of those where like it, it was a uh, that was old school God of War moments. Yeah, that's what it where, felt like, like. Like early on that fight that you have with the uh, the the dude the like dude with all the tattoos that comes attacks you in like the first couple of minutes. That yeah. was a very God of War sequence. This was another very God of War sequence where a lot of the game. It's not like it's subdued. Like, there's still a ton of action happening, but the scale isn't normally as large as that moment was. So that was, like, right. a fun. And the way that it kind of resolves, that was pretty crazy. Um, and you get the new type of arrows for Atreus, yeah. which I thought was really cool. I like using those. Oh, I use those all the time. <laughs> those yeah. are, those and are I, awesome. I have him, because well, I haven't unlocked the level 5 stuff, but I have all of his other stuff fully leveled up. Both types of arrows, everything. Yeah. And so I'm kind of at a point where I don't have any more skills I want to buy. And Yeah, all I'm, just, of my, I'm just buying all of them. All of my gear that I can level up with experience, I have leveled up as much as I can. Because there are like a lot of the the Nordic... No, it's not Nordic. Runic. A lot of the Runic attacks... Yeah, I have like I have like six for each slot, and a lot of them I don't care that much about. So I just have two that I really like, and I've leveled those up. And so now Same. I have all this experience that I don't have anything to spend it on. Like I haven't unlocked all the moves, like the stuff where you switch stance. I haven't done because I'm like I'm never gonna use that. Me neither. And the stuff where you kind of hold R one or whatever as you're gonna throw, and it highlights a bunch of dudes. I haven't done that because I'm like I'm not gonna use that. I use. I use the throw like as a really quick hitter thing. I'm not going to sit there and go on a bunch of dudes. So I don't know. It's it's still a lot of the menus and the customization and the leveling up. All of those systems are still not awesome for me. Right. But the world is a lot more interesting now, and I'm still really enjoying the combat. Once I started unlocking more moves, the combat got a lot more deep that I that I'm really liking using the runic attacks and having different options for heavy and um, light attacks and kind of the combos and Atre- or Atreus is a huge badass like he actually does really good damage for me now and yes, I have him leveled up where I get four bow shots not yeah. just three so like he can just he, he can like any dude that is has a green health bar Atreus can just kill him by himself, which is just really it, that it, it makes it feel like I'm doing a lot more damage because I literally am doing a lot more damage. Um, so yeah, I, I just it's still those little problems just still kind of add up, not to significantly dampen my experience, but to make it like not a ten out of ten. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, still an sure. awesome game that I'm really enjoying, and like I want to play more of it today, but it's just not. It's not in that upper tier of like the best games I've ever played. No, so not at that's all. just where I am. Um, but the story and the action is much better than those small negatives that I have. I will say another negative. I think most of the story is good, and I like Atreus. Kratos to me is still kind of one note as a character. Like, and versus the original games, he was one note angry. In this, he's one note either angry or like trying to be emotionally available in a cheesy corny over the top way. Like the little moments where like he reaches out, Oh, is he going to pat his son on the back? No, he can't. He's not there yet. Like all of that kind of stuff is just kind of corny. Yeah. Um, 
it's just it's it's very surface level. Uh, so I don't know. I'm I'm not connecting with Kratos the way it sounds like a lot of other folks did. But I do really like Atreus, and I love the side characters. The two dwarven brothers are awesome. The witch character is great. The dude who's in the tree, who's like the talking head kind yeah. of character, he is fantastic. And I love listening to his stories as I'm paddling the boat around. He's the first character I've liked. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, so, the, yeah. the witch so, is fine. She just doesn't do a whole lot. She doesn't, but I do. I, yeah. She's interesting. She's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm still really, really enjoying the game, um, but it's not like this, you know, one of the greatest games I've ever played, like a lot of people uh, feel. Um, I have played a little bit of Bioshock as well. Not a ton because I've been focusing on God of War, but I finished the Sander Cohen section, the Fort Frolic section, and uh, I still love how because you know he sends you out to kill these dudes and take their picture and then when you leave like he's just like all right peace out and if you want you can attack him and kill him and you unlock this special treasure chest and of course i always kill him because he's a monster yeah and i just love that you can kill him and then take his own picture and you get a little trophy for for it i just love that little moment yeah i remember because like i I didn't initially look at the trophy list or maybe that was a hidden trophy back in the day and like i took his picture like as like a yeah fuck you and then the trophy popped and i was like (laughs) wow yeah (laughs) it was really cool yeah or maybe at the time Um, it was probably on xbox 360 so it was probably an achievement right so that's kind of everything I've been playing, to be honest. What about you? Have you been playing any new stuff? No, nah, I've barely been playing anything. I played a little more <laughs> Subsistence, which is that like survival game. Um, yes, the uh, Left 4 Dead style game. No. What game is Subsistence? Uh, this is just like the hey, you're out in the wild, and th- this is this is the one that has um, the AI hunters that will set up bases around you and then like, okay. assault your base, and you can come across Got them. It. Um, this is that one. Uh, I started the first Red Dead Redemption on the Xbox One backwards compatibility thing. I just mm, went ahead and mm-hmm. bought it through there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it actually looks pretty good running on an Xbox One. I don't have an X, so it's not 4K, but it actually does. Okay. Like, There's clearly some resolution scaling going on, and it makes it look a lot better. Um, I, I think... I'm I'm realizing going back to that that I really don't like how Rockstar games control, like because mm. it's like there's a lot of animation priority in the movement and like the delayed, like you hit forward and there's a delay and then he steps yeah. forward and he takes like a couple steps and yeah. all I did was twitch the stick up once. It's not responsive. It's sluggish, overcommitting. Um, that's and, how uh, Naughty Dog games feel to me. Yeah, and that, that's like one of my one of my very few criticisms of their games is I never have loved how the characters move because it is, it's that sense of momentum that is maybe very realistic, but it doesn't map to using a controller all that well. Yeah. And I think rockstar does that more heavily than naughty dog does. Okay. Um, I I think it's even worse in older rockstar games and like even going into like GTA five, they they scale that back a little bit, but I'm hoping for Red Dead Redemption Two. They scale that back even more, just because Snappier mm-hmm. is so much better. It's so much better. It's, sure. it's it looks less immersive, but it, in terms of like you're spending hours and hours and hours in this open world, like trying to get a horse hitched to a <laughs> fucking pole is yeah. a process. Um, it's a real process, and like they knew they're aiming controls are complete shit and instead of fixing them over the years they just make it lock on like yeah that that's not fun either 
Um, okay. So that's, I'm having some issues with it in that respect that I didn't have back in the day, but now that like I've played good games with like well reasonable more control games. schemes, yeah, yeah, um, games that feel good to play, yeah, uh, I have a little more experience with that and and more things to hold it up against and it's it's a little obnoxious um that's pretty much all i've been playing but the stardew valley multiplayer beta came out and so for kara's birthday we're gonna i think we're gonna either play that or a way out today nice together sweet i completely forgot about a way out yeah we had intended on playing that and then for what like we were busy or something and so we didn't do that first week and then the reviews started coming out and i was like uh Maybe I don't even care that much to play this game because it seems like kind of a mini game collection where the mini games aren't even that interesting and right. it seems like the writing is kind of bad. So I still do want to play it, but I don't know. I don't know that there it might be too um, mechanics heavy for Kelly to try to play with me, but sure. I don't know. I'd be very curious to hear um, what you think about it if you guys do play it. Okay. Um, I guess I've been watching some other stuff, some TV stuff. So still. Wolf randomly watching some Parks and Rec, comedians and cars getting coffee, Seinfeld. Just whenever I'm bored, I, I play an episode of that. But uh, I watched another episode of Altered Carbon, which may be my last episode of Altered Carbon. So I know I committed to three episodes. I watched one more, and it was better. Like it was a little more interesting, but all the same problems for me still existed. Like the main dude is still just really flat and boring. Um, I still feel like the dialogue is needlessly expository where it's just like characters explaining things that don't matter that much. I do really like the sidekick guy, the like Poe hotel owner AI dude. Yeah, I, really I really like, like his him. character. Um, they, they get to do some fun stuff with him. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's one of those things where there's so much stuff to watch and I have so many other things that I'm already watching. It's just hard for me to commit to an hour watching this show so, I don't know. I may try to do one more episode and just see what happens, but no promises. The other night, Kelly and I watched John Mulaney's new stand-up, Kid Gorgeous, at Radio City Music Hall. Do you like John Mulaney? I don't know him. Okay. He's a stand-up comic. He's really funny. You should check him out. He does, like, like he's a very, um, what's the word? He comes across like he would be very clean because he's like a young, you know, tall, skinny, handsome guy, wears suits. Like, he, he seems like he would be a very, like, nice guy type of comedian. And so he gets kind of dark at times and kind of um, aggressive language-wise. I don't know. I just really, really like him as a stand-up. Uh, so his his new uh, specials on Netflix. We watched it the other night. Very funny. Uh, and then I watched the first episode of a documentary called Wild Wild Country. It's on Netflix. It is produced by the Duplass Brothers, uh, and it is about this cult from the early 80s, this religious cult that started in, like, India, and then they were trying to expand, and so they bought this huge tract of land in the United States and, like, moved thousands of people into, like, the wilderness Next to this really small town, I think it's called like Antelope is the name of the town, where there were like 40 people that lived in this town. Oh, and then now all of a sudden there are thousands of people living next next to them on this like campus. And it's just like, it seems really fascinating. We watched the first episode and it was actually Kelly's idea. She was, 
she thought it looked really cool and interesting. Watched the first episode, and she's like, oh, that was boring. I don't want to watch it anymore. So now if I'm going to watch it, I'm going to watch it by myself, which is very <laughs> frustrating. So I'll, I'll probably still watch some of that. Um, but, yeah, reading anything? I finished – well, so we I had that big event yesterday, and so during the break when they were gone, I went ahead and read um, the second – hardback collection of um kirkman's outcast that uh, the one about the demons oh, sure. and stuff yeah well quote-unquote demons um continues to be really good getting like a few more answers as we go along and it's mm-hmm. like it keeps leaving things off in like a really interesting place um and they're like developing a lot of the relationships between the characters more and like there's some big reveals so it's going strong i like it sweet sweet what about you? Still still need to pick up my comics that are sitting in my closet. Uh, no, I've just been reading a little bit more Harry Potter. I'm back like on the wagon again. I think I have like five or six chapters left of Order of the Phoenix, so I'm going to try to knock that out before next episode so I can start um, either Prince of Thorns or the Star Wars Aftermath trilogy. I have not yet decided which direction I want to go. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's it, which is a lot. Uh, let's dive into <laughs> some news. So, speaking of God of War, Corey Barlog, who is the uh, game director, he came out a while ago and had mentioned that he wanted to try to take on, like, a new IP after this. After kind of reimagining God of War, he'd like to try something with a new game. He just had an interview with Kotaku, I believe it was, where they were asking about, like, future plans for God of War. And he said he has ideas for five more games, which (sighs) is probably too many games for this series. I mean, I'm sure there's a way to keep it interesting, but that sounds like a lot. Uh, So, I don't know. It's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I want to start something new. And then also, I have enough stuff to make more God of War games for the next 20 years. So, who knows? It it might just be ideas that he could consolidate. But, uh, yeah, I I found that to be interesting. Well, there was a podcast and an interview that Giant Bomb did with, Mm -hmm. maybe it was Corey Barlog. Um but uh, in it, he said that they almost went with ancient Egypt and the Egyptian ah, pantheon of gods. Okay. Right. Um, and, like, talk about dodging a bullet because Assassin's Creed Origins. Sure. Like, that would end way too much in right. such a short time. Um, but, yeah, he said that early on that was almost the decision that they made was to go with Egyptian gods. Okay. Well, that makes more sense of, like, they could do a trilogy here and then do another trilogy in a different set of gods right i could see that still being interesting it's more about like can you change up the gameplay enough like i'm i'm super excited for the next god of war game because they've clearly proven that they get the combat they've done good things with the characters that they can expand upon and i really think that they can learn a lot of lessons from the mistakes they made about the ui and the uh menus and the leveling up i think that they can uh learn a lot of lessons from that stuff where i would be excited that stuff and scale back on it a lot yeah for sure um and then uh we've been talking a lot about e3 stuff ubisoft came out and they announced because they had their earnings call so they announced that they are going to have For Honor news at E3, which we talked about last episode of, oh, could we see For Honor? Could we see a sequel or some DLC? Yeah. I guess they had like a little um, news 
live stream where they talked about some new characters and maps and stuff for For Honor. So they are continuing to support it. But they did say that there was even more bigger news that they were going to have at E3. So I don't know what that would be. I'm surprised at this because it felt to me from the outside perspective that this game didn't really set the world on fire. Yeah. Um, But Ubisoft is clearly trying to go the games as a service route and really supporting all their stuff. You know, the division is still getting lots of updates. Uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands is still getting lots of updates. So they're, they're continuing to support their games, which I think is very good. It's just surprising that they did it with this game, which seemed like it wasn't all that popular, but that, that could be wrong on that. Maybe it has a really diehard fan base. I don't know. So destiny two, so we talked a little bit about this last episode of um, what might be coming in Season 3 of Destiny 2. Yeah. So they laid out some plans. And I don't know. It's like you and I, we haven't played Destiny 2 in a long time. I'm not super interested in returning. So it's hard for me. No, that's not, not true. It's weird that I care still. But I do. I care about what is happening in Destiny 2. And I think it's because there's so much there that I think it could be good like i think it could bring me back there just needs to be a little bit more there and so i want it to be there uh but anyway they came out and said that they're going to have a lot of updates at e3 um probably at the sony press conference they said in activision's earnings call that there will be a new game mode that they're releasing that is new to the first person shooter genre so there are a bunch of things that could be probably the thing I think it might be and hope it isn't is a Battle Royale mode. Hooray! Battle Royale coming to Destiny 2. And actually, when they talk about For Honor and saying, hey, big update at E3, it's going to be a Battle Royale mode for For Honor. Everything's going to get a Battle Royale mode. I just, I want to jump ahead in time three years to when those to where no two one gives a shit about these are never spoken. Yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully it's not that, because that's not what's going to make me interested in Destiny 2. But I would not be surprised at all. Like, if I had to make a bet on what it was going to be, it would be a Battle Royale mode. Because they didn't. Um, it's not like they said a new that would include like a a new way to play, right? Or like a new series of content that's new. Yeah. So like yeah, but it's an, a new game mode, which means something arcadey, something multiplayer focused. So it's got to be battle royale. Yeah, and yeah, like they didn't say that this was a brand new game mode they just said it's new to first person shooters shooters. so and honestly by that point it might not be new to first person shooters because if there's one coming to battlefield which it sounds like there is if there's one coming to call of duty which it sounds like there is every first person shooter is going to have a battle royale mode and i will not be interested in every first person shooter that has a battle royale mode uh they also kind of laid out some changes they're making to the loot system for cosmetics so one of the problems was you spend real money on the ability to unlock effectively loot boxes. They're engrams that give you random cosmetic items. And the problem was people were spending real money on these and getting duplicates, like things that they already had. And that's kind of shitty. So they're changing the way it works to where now when you buy them, 
there's like a list of 10 every week that you can get. And so you won't ever get multiples of those 10. So they're trying to, you know, take away the ability to get duplicates. So like, it's it's a positive change. There are a lot more details on uh, the Destiny 2 kind of like update site. I didn't read that much into it because I, I my eyes glazed over a little bit when I was because t- it's called the Prismatic Matrix and they're talking about like oh all these matrixes and what and I was like okay I don't really care enough to really read this <laughs> but if you're interested you can check that out but it seems like it's a positive step to at least have people not spending real life money and getting something they already have because that is really really shitty so yeah. the fact that that's going away is good. Uh, we got some new trailers. So there's a new trailer for Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which, I mean, it's more than that first trailer was, which is basically just like a 30-second stinger kind of style trailer. This is a little bit more of what the story might be, and it's going to take place in, like, jungle ruins. I don't know if it's, like, Mayan or Aztec ruins, but that, to me, seems cool. One of my criticisms of rise of the tomb raider was that the setting was very samey it was either icy mountains or forest and that that was the entire game versus the first one there was a little bit more variety you had like the chinese or whatever japanese ruins and you you had the beach area where you were like over the water there was a ship like there was a lot more variety in the places that you were exploring and in this it was just two different types of things and that kind of got old so with this if it's the jungle, there might only be one type of area that you're in, but at least it's a new kind of thing that we haven't seen in a modern Tomb Raider game. So that I found to be pretty exciting. I don't yeah. know. What did you think? I thought the trailer itself was, like, really boring and, like... Agreed. It was just like, hey, here's more Tomb Raider. She's killing guys. Yeah. yeah. It didn't do that much for me. And the whole, like, they seem to be really focusing on her struggle of, like, going too far and becoming a murder machine, which... I appreciate that because that was one of the big criticisms about the Uncharted series. It's like, oh, it's this lighthearted action-adventure romp where Nathan Drake kills 600 guys. And, like, they never really talk about that. And I appreciate because they did this in Rise of the Tomb Raider as well. They started talking about that where, like, she was becoming a little bit more aggressive in her violence. And so I like that they're trying to tap into that and making that a focus. But it doesn't seem that deep. Right. of focus it's kind of surface level focus and the game could be better but at least in rise of the tomb raider and in this trailer it doesn't really seem like they're doing as much as they could on that front right uh also she looks really different in this she does do, do you feel that way she, like she looks, she looks older very different she looks older which i think is the right move but like and this is going to sound very shallow, but so like a game like um, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, I felt like Chloe looked really different. She looked older and frankly, like less attractive, which sounds mean, but like it, it, she, it that's, and that's how I felt about it. And I kind of felt the same way in Uncharted 4, like Drake. And I think it's because of how uh, advanced they can go with the graphics. Like any, they're making him look even more like... I'm missing the dude's name. Nathan, or no, not Nathan Fillion. The the dude that plays Nathan Drake. What's his name? Oh, crap. Um, what? Oh, shit. Why? Troy Baker and this why? other guy. Why They're the ones that do everything. Name? Whatever. So they made it look more like him in real life. He, he just looks like a more actual human versus like a video game character. And that's fine. And I felt like Chloe was the same way. She looked more like an actual human than a hot video game character. And right. I feel like they're kind of doing the same thing with Lara now where she looks more like a 
I guess, like a real person than a hot video game character. It just was a little distracting because she looks like a different person. Like, it looks like it's not the same character anymore. So it was just, it was distracting. Did Nolan you look up his name? North. Nolan North. Thank you. Yes. Who is a very, he, he's a very handsome dude. So it's not like. Yeah, he's rugged. They made. Yes. Yeah, rugged. Yeah, because that's a good description. Um, and then we got a new trailer for Venom. Like an actual trailer, not a little teaser. They showed the actual Venom symbiote. So everybody can shut the hell up and stop complaining about that. I know we talked about that last time where we were like totally fine with them not showing the symbiote. And everybody's like, why would you have a trailer and not show it off? I don't know. Maybe because they're saving something for the actual movie. But now, of course, they had to reveal it because people were bitching. Honestly, I thought, like, it seems... It looks a little glossy. Yeah. It I, looks like, fake. Yeah, and, like, like in my brain, Venom is, like, this dark, thick, inky substance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that kind of, like, sucks in light kind of looking. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, it's, like, very reflective and shiny. Yes. And, like, shiny. Glis- it glistens. Yeah. Which yeah. is... It's a different look, I guess. Yeah, it's a different look, but to me, it makes it look more fake. Like, yeah. it looks like CG. It looks like not great CG, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and going back to Avengers, there is so much CG in that movie. It's like the whole but movie. But it's mostly, it's mostly good. Like, there are only a couple instances where you think about the fact that there, it's a bunch of actors standing in front of a green screen. Right. And with this, like, this CG seemed bad. And to be honest, the trailer seemed bad. Just yeah. the writing seems really corny. And cheesy. It could just be the way I the love, trailer's cut, but I don't know. It could be. It very much could be. There's that sequence where like he's riding the motorcycle and he flies off, and then the symbiote comes, and it just looks really lame. Yeah. To be honest with you, it just looks lame. Like it looks like spy the original like Spider Man, Tobey Maguire Spider Man, which is a good movie, but it's that lame, corny, cheesy superhero kind of movie right. that we've moved past now. Right, uh, yeah, and that, that's how this feels to me. Like that had I its time, time, and I loved it at yes, the time, absolutely. But it's like we're in a different era now. Yeah, agreed. Of those films, it doesn't match up. And I really like Tom Hardy, um, and like he does the voice for the Venom symbiote too, which sounds really cool. And it's it's not like I think he's doing a bad job. It's just the actual like dialogue and stuff. I don't know. It just it doesn't look like it's going to be good to me, which. Yeah. Is a bummer. Do you think um, Spider-Man's going to be in it at all? No. Good. No. I think they're purposefully making it a separate thing because they gave so they can, those film rights to Marvel. Uh, so now, like, they don't have to have a crossover. This is only Sony. Marvel is not involved in this at all. They want this to be the new Spider-Man franchise for them because they have give, they, they co-produce with Marvel on Spider-Man. So they're only getting some of the money. So they want to use everything else they have. And I don't think it's going to work. Probably but. not. Um, so, PS Now, PlayStation's games streaming service, now has added some PS2 games. And it's mostly just games that were already available for purchase. So, they added Hot Shots Tennis, Dark Cloud 2, and Ape Escape 2, which like... Three PS2 games. Those are three weird ones to add. Yeah. But those, I believe, were all already available to purchase on PS4. Because I know I at least own Dark Cloud 2. Um, so this seems like it's a way of them testing having PlayStation 2 games on PS Now and see the viability there. So hopefully they keep adding more over time. I still feel like PS Now is not 
what I want to do. Like, I don't want to pay yeah. a monthly fee to play these games. I mean, they must Especially have when Xbox s- has this backwards compatibility stuff. Right. They must have plenty of success with it, though, because, like, they I keep guess. doing stuff with it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's... I've not. I it, I've it, never loaded it up once. Yeah, same. I never did like their even their free trial they had when they first launched it. Right. it just, that's just not what I want to do. I don't want to live stream games like that. It's too uh, internet connectivity dependent. Um, right. It just seems like the input lag. It, I don't know. That's just not how I want to play a video game. Let me download it and play for my system. Yeah. Um, which I could do because I bought Dark Cloud too, and so now I have it and I can play it that way. Finally, which to me is huge news, there's a new Minecraft update coming, which apparently they announced in November at Minecon, but I just never heard about it because I'm not really following Minecraft news. So this story came out primarily because this will be the last update that will release for the PS4, PS3, Wii U, and Vita versions, and 360 versions of Minecraft. So, like, it, they're on some kind of old architecture, which they're no longer going to support, so this is the last update. So, that was the news story around this. But because of that, I was like, oh, there is a new Minecraft update coming out. And it's called the Aquatic Update. And I just want to talk about it because it sounds really awesome. So, it's all, like, underwater stuff. Yeah. So, like, a while ago, they had added underwater temples with, like, the new creatures that kind of, like, shoot rays at you or whatever. And they're, like, the treasure chests and stuff underwater, a couple of new types of blocks. A new boss. But this is, like... Yes, new boss. But this, they're, like, really expanding it. So they're adding dolphins and other, like, sea life, coral reefs, sunken ships with, like, hidden treasure stuff, icebergs, which all seem really awesome. And, like, there's a new trident weapon that you can throw. Um, they are- and they're adding, in the in the oceans, they're making new ocean biomes. And so different ones right. will have different types of, you know, underwater life, different types of treasure, all that kind of thing. They also completely you can build an change aquarium. the way you swim. So yeah. now when you swim, your body actually goes horizontal and you move a lot right. faster if you're sprinting in the water. So like you, yeah. you can swim really fast now. Yeah. So this, like that, it just sounds really cool. I'm not sure that it's like – because there have been so many updates in Minecraft, you know, adding the shields and whatever the little flying jetpack thing is. and Yeah. And there's so much stuff that I never really played. I would quickly be super overwhelmed with all the new crafting, etc. But this type of thing, like, I would like to go check this out and go underwater and look a little bit. Yeah, I've been playing the snapshots as they've released. I have a world that I keep updating with the snapshots because okay. I had a giant cliff face modern home I wanted to build just to, like, right. de-stress during the show. <laughs> um, and I did that, and it has been, it has been built. I just need to do all the interior stuff. But uh, it's been it's in a snapshot world, so it's... Uh, I've been able to, like, do all the updates and stuff. I haven't seen any dolphins yet, but, like, instead of just fishing, like, I think you could still fish, but, like, there are also, like, salmon that are swimming in the rivers that you can actually, like, hit and then get the salmon. So, like, there are those, like, fish swimming around. And, like, the coral, I broke it with a pick, and it became, like, dead coral. So I don't know if there's a way to keep it alive, probably with a silk touch or something. Um, Sweet. But, yeah, so and, like, the new swimming is, is way, way, way better. It's a That's lot fun. better. But the I've thing about, like, with breath, because you know how breath used to be like it instantly recharges as soon as you're not underwater. Now yeah. it recharges slowly. Okay. But can you breathe longer underwater or hold your breath longer? I don't think so. To compensate? Hmm. I guess that aqua affinity or water breathing yeah, is water breathing even more important. Yeah, water breathing is more important. And the potions yeah. and stuff. I've actually been 
uh, randomly because I've been working a lot on these, uh, like the show notes posts and stuff and some fantasy football stuff. And so I'll watch a lot of our old Minecraft Slender and Ender with Bender series, like in the <laughs> background on YouTube. Yeah. And it just makes me miss the hell out of Minecraft. Like I played a couple weeks ago randomly on PS4 for a couple hours. But it's, I mean, obviously it's not the same as diving in on PC and having the infinite world that kind of thing where you can start from scratch so right. i have my little moments where i'm like mm, maybe i want to play some minecraft today so <laughs> i might do that soon uh before diving into hate of the week so e3 is just a couple weeks away which is crazy or i guess it's like a month away um but we'll only have one more episode before e3 yeah. so i wanted to take this opportunity and talk a little bit about not necessarily predictions, but more like what we hope will happen. Because I find that to be a lot more interesting. Like what we want to see at E3 uh, on the different press conferences on the show floor, etc. So I guess starting from... Well, how about you? Throw, throw something out. What do you want to see there? Um, I really want to see Bethesda's new IP. Yeah. I, like, so they've said there's there's the there's rumors they have two about new Starfield... IP. Or something. Right. I don't know if that was right. fake. It's not been confirmed or denied or whatever. So, I think a sci-fi would could be like a really cool interjection because they have the post-apocalypse, they have the fantasy, and mm-hmm. like throw sci-fi into that loop. I think could be really really neat. Uh, and I, I and think I mean, I, I since it, it used to be awesome. Since EA killed Mass Effect, as we all know, with Mass Effect Andromeda, this Mass is a Effect. really this is a really good opportunity for them to jump in and like make the Mass Effect game that we wanted Andromeda to be. Yeah. And presumably it would still be first person, because uh, that's kind of what they do. And I guess I should say, like, are you envisioning this as a Bethesda Softworks game where it's a big open world RPG? Yeah, so I I don't know. I mean I like part of me is like maybe it's like an alien world and it's all sci fi or I think the more interesting thing is it's like a galaxy of places yeah. for you to go where you have like, like spaceships yeah, and like, stuff and like space stations and stuff yeah. and like because I a lot of people didn't care about um the settlement building stuff in Fallout 4 but mm. through modding and through the community and stuff and a lot of yeah. the feedback that's been updated and improved upon over time and so, like, I feel like they've learned a lot of lessons about how those systems could work. And I think that put in a sci-fi setting, like build your own space station or, like, a space Love base it. could be really, really cool. Like, setting up yeah. supply lines between space stations and planets and docks and stuff could all be really cool. Um, I just, like, because, like, they're, it's it, it, it seems to me that they are always looking for new systems and mechanics to implement but they do mm-hmm. it just like a couple per game and they do it in bite-sized right. chunks and then they improve upon the ones they've already made and then add some new stuff too so what i'm excited to see is how they improve upon the existing mechanics because fallout 4 was the best feeling bethesda shooter we've had yet absolutely so like how can they improve upon that how can they improve upon vats if it's still a exists or if they come up with a totally different system like i don't Mm -hmm. even know what kind of possibilities they're gonna have i i i'd almost want it to like be very much uh, be very similar to the first mass effect and that like you can get like a party of people together and how the first mass effect you could like pause combat and issue orders maybe something like that could be really cool kind of a hybrid between a strategy and a real-time uh combat it could be interesting i don't know it's there's a lot of possibilities, and I think 
for as buggy and as janky as those games are, I think they do a lot of things really, really well. And they're not afraid to branch out and try things and take community feedback. Um, and, like, also, I mean, in a, in a sci-fi setting, just seeing what the modding community can do with post-apocalypse oh, and fantasy. Imagine what they could do yeah. in a sci-fi setting. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And I'd, I honestly had forgotten about the whole Starfield rumor and that that's what they were working on. Yeah. I totally agree. Like, whatever it is, I would love to see their new IP. Because I know Todd Howard had mentioned like a year ago that they had two new IP games that they were working on. Uh, and so this, if this was one of them, I mean, what you're saying totally makes sense too from a developmental perspective of they made Fallout 4 work better. It's still not amazing, but they made it work better as a first-person shooter. So how can they build on that? You know, the settlement stuff, how can they build on that? And the idea of like making a space station, and like that sounds fucking rad as hell. I would love that. It's super And does. what you're saying about, about the new systems, you're totally right. They, they, they pick and choose a couple of big changes for each game that they make. And to me, like that big change would be space combat, like vehicular combat where you have something to control. Yeah. They've never really done something on yeah, that scale really before with vehicles, vehicles before so that i mean that sounds like something that they could absolutely try that would be really really awesome so yeah now i'm really hoping that that's what they do <laughs> um i think it's probably fair to say that that game would be very far off yeah another game i think is probably far off but i wouldn't mind seeing a teaser for is the next elder scrolls i mean it's been rumored for a while is it going to be in elsewhere is it going to be in valenwood what what's going to be happening yeah. or could it just be skyrim 2 which honestly i would i would still be okay with that if that's what the, the direction they took but i would love to see them an, uh, announce both of those like if they if we got a ah shit i don't even know what makes more sense timeline wise but like in my mind if we got a teaser trailer for the next elder scrolls 6 with you know fall 2019 and then if we got a trailer for this new IP, we'll call it Starfield, if they had some actual gameplay to show, but didn't have a release date, because that I don't I don't know what their timeline is. I don't know what they've been doing. We know they're working on a new IP. We know they're working on Elder Scrolls Six. We don't know where they are, which one would release first. But if they kind of bookended the Bethesda, Bethesda showcase with those two things, that would be fucking incredible yeah that would be massive because like right now i'm not really sure what they have to show off and well like the other bethesda studios so like the so bethesda softworks is what we're talking about right but that big bethesda as a publisher you know what we just got a new wolfenstein right we just what a year and a half ago we got dishonored 2 they've already done dlc doom doom 2 maybe May yeah that, maybe. that game only came out two years ago but maybe right. we get a trailer for doom 2 um what else would there be? I mean, we just got Evil Within 2, so we don't know that what they're doing there. Right. So it, I don't know what else that Bethesda publisher will have to show. So hopefully that means it'll be heavy on Bethesda Softworks. I mean, ideal scenario, obviously, is they come out and do what they did for Fallout 4, which is they announce a game. They We get like 30 minutes of gameplay across the Bethesda showcase and either Sony or Microsoft with the fact that it's coming out this fall, like that would be the pie in the sky hope yeah. for either Elder Scrolls or the new IP. I think it's it's tough to assume that will happen. Although, but it is like Fallout Four came out in 2015. Yeah, that game and like, Skyrim be came out in 2011. Years. Yeah, so that's three years. So, there's a chance. You're saying you're telling me there's a chance <laughs> that maybe we could get a new Bethesda game this year. Their team is bigger. They are working on multiple projects at one time, which 
would tell me that they're trying to push out games faster than their like you know five six year cadence that they typically have been on in the past. Right. Because I mean, like, so who knows? Because I mean, for them, I mean, they publish, which gets them some money, right? But like, they, I mean, Bethesda's a, a big company, but mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine the Softworks games. Like, they are huge hits every single time. And so yeah. that's the only reason they're able to have such long development cycles. And, and right. because they support afterwards with DLC and ports right. and stuff. Which also, all that stuff sells really well. Right. Absolutely. And so I feel like that's the only reason they're able to do these long development cycles. And so maybe since game development just gets more and more expensive, um, it becomes more important for them to try to push out things at a quicker pace. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, (laughs) He's not happy. So, I don't know. I mean, those were my big points for Bethesda. Because, again, it's hard to guess about the other games from the other studios just because they've had releases recently. And Bethesda kind of is the... Bethesda Softworks is the one that we're waiting for. And, obviously, the one that you and I care about the most um, because we love those games. Um, so what about, uh, EA? Anything that you would like to see from EA? Um, I mean, you put Anthem on here and I think that's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how interested I am in Anthem just cause I'm really disenfranchised with, uh, or disenchanted with EA at the moment. Um, but, and also for me, like with the division and with Destiny, like those kinds of games have not had the longevity for me, the like multiplayer co-op focused experience. So that would be my concern about Anthem. Really, what I want is for them to come out and prove to me that even if I wanted to play this game by myself, I would still get a full experience. Right. That's my pie in the sky hope for Anthem is that there's more of a single player focus than the division or destiny has had. Yeah. And I, that I the, the, that the that... multiplayer is an add on. I, I don't think that's the direction right. we're going. I'm just saying for me selfishly, that's what I hope. Okay. Is that I can get a full experience playing by myself. Yeah. I just want to, um, I just want to know that it's going to be good period like cuz they're they're having a shit time lately <laughs> like yeah i think the only and it's not a great excuse but i think the only thing we can hold our hat to is that um andromeda was built by their b team and it was from day 1 because their a team was focused on anthem yeah. that to me is the only thing that's keeping me going but i'm with you i mean Bioware has been all over the map the past decade. Like, I get you know Dragon Age Two, which I liked, but a lot of people hated that game with yeah, the repetition and were, using the same areas and over and yeah, over again. Yeah, there were parts that were still good, and like the combat was a lot of fun, but it was yeah. very arcadey compared to the first one, less tactical. They made a lot of significant design changes between the first and second one. Yes. And then you had Mass Effect 3, which most of the story was still phenomenal. It was the same characters, the same world that we love. I thought the combat was the best in the series. Oh, totally. The, the, the co-op multiplayer was awesome. Obviously, the ending overshadows everything else. But even beyond that, like it was less of an RPG than it's ever been. You know, the, there were very few side quests. Yeah. They were mostly just like scan this planet to get an item and bring it back to me on the Citadel. Like that was the side quest. And so a lot of, it, was, it lost a lot of that RPG depth that it's had in the past. You know, Dragon Age Inquisition 
we had a lot. You know, it was a pretty buggy game. Uh, the story wasn't awesome, but it was okay. I really liked that game in general, the experience of it. I liked what they did with the squads and uh, being able to play as any character you want and experiment with the different powers. I really liked that aspect of it. And then obviously Andromeda, Andromeda which was a complete shit show, dumpster yeah. fire. So like the, the the quality overall has been lower than it was, you know, for Dragon Age Origins, Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2. Knights uh, of the Old Republic, like those games are so phenomenal. Their recent games have not, even the best of their recent games have not been as good as those. Right. So it's like there's a little bit of nerves when it comes to to Bioware now, because really it's been since EA acquired them that their games have been suffering a little bit. So I don't know. I still think that they have some of the most talent of any studio out there. It's just can they really tap into it with this new IP? There's a lot of stuff that seems very cool about Anthem. Uh, I just don't want it to be another Destiny, obviously. Yeah, I honestly, like, I don't know a whole lot about it. I need, I need to see more about it. Yeah, and I mean, I cannot imagine a world where we don't get gameplay of Anthem. Oh, for at sure. E3. There'll probably be one of those. Uh, it's weird, coming out next year, but one of those dumb like multiplayer sessions of the canned chatter between people. I bet yeah. we get something like that. I mean, they did that last year. Uh, they oh, might do true. another did, one of those and like show a mission. Um, but I mean, the, it did get delayed to 2019. I think they're still. I think they're targeting spring 2019. But I might be making that up. Okay. But if it is relatively new, like within the next year, I don't think they can get away with just a gameplay trailer. Like just like right. a two or three they minute trailer. I think they need to show more than that. They need to show yeah. like but, what a big raid is going to look like or something. Sure. And, and or like more story too. Yeah. Like a, a mission that's more story involved versus again, like you said, the chatter of like, yeah, use this move on these dudes. Like that, I'm not getting that much out of that. Yeah. Show me a little bit of the story and this world that you're trying to build. Yeah. Can't play too late tonight, guys. It's Thursday. Got to work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'd also like to see Respawn's Star Wars game. Yeah. So EA, obviously, they, they canceled the uh, single-player game that Amy Hennig and that studio was working like, on. It must have been a trash fire for them to cancel it because... Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there that has so much promise on paper. It must have been a total mess. Well, and I think we talked about it on one of the podcasts... But there was a, a news story that came out. It was, I think it was J- Jason Schreier, probably. Whenever there's like an investigative video game report, I assume it's Jason Schreier at yeah. Kotaku. But we're like, they talked to a bunch of behind the scenes folks, and it seemed like there were a lot of issues. Like, we look at it from an outside perspective, and we're like, oh, a single player, story driven Star Wars game focusing on bounty hunters written by the woman who helped create Uncharted. Fuck yes. Everything about that, yes. Yeah. And so it's easy for us to look at that, and then when they cancel it and say, fuck you, EA, this would have been the best game ever made, because we don't know what was happening behind the scenes. Right. And if this report is to be believed, it sounds like the game had a lot of problems, and kind of the scale being too large, changing the direction midway through development, some leadership issues with Amy Hennig and the other leadership that were on the team. So it, it, if the report's to be believed, that game was not coming together in the way that it needed to. Which makes it a little bit more understandable of why EA would kind of cancel that. Right. All that said, Respawn, super talented studio. Titanfall 2 was an awesome game. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it's going to be another first-person shooter, presumably, along with Battlefield, makes or, uh, Battlefront rather, makes me a little less excited because I want 
you know, a third-person action-adventure story-focused kind of thing. But looking at what Respawn did with Titanfall 2 and the story of that game, how awesome it was, I believe that they could put together something really, really cool that helps take away the bad taste of that Battlefront 2 campaign. Yeah, and I also think that DICE's shooters feel significantly different than the Respawn shooters we've had with Titanfall. Agreed. I think Titanfall yes. feels a lot tighter, more Call of Duty, which actually didn't Respawn mm-hmm. help with one of the Call of Duties. They were they originally made uh, Call of Duty Four and Modern Warfare Two. Okay, and then they left Activision to do their own thing. That's right. Yes, that makes a lot of sense then. Um, and so, well, I, it was I, the, it was the leads, the lead guys that started okay. Respawn. They were the leads at Infinity Ward, okay. and they they quit to go make their own studio, which is Respawn. Gotcha. Um, I, that that makes sense. And so, I, I think I think there's space for those two because like there are there's a space for Call of Duty and Battlefield. I think there could sure. be a space for a tighter narrative focused. With obviously, I'm sure they'll have a multiplayer element because like, yes. games is service. Um, but uh, maybe a maybe a battle royale mode. Uh, <laughs> One hundred stormtroopers drop. <laughs> One hundred Jedi's drop into a temple. <laughs> Anakin kills all of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, so I, I think there's there's room for both a heavy narrative focus mm-hmm. and then like the more multiplayer focused. Uh, Battlefront games, so mm-hmm. I, I think there's space for both, and uh, I honestly, personally, more excited for this than I would be for whatever Dice is shitting out their collective assholes. One hundred percent agree, absolutely. Uh, so moving on to Ubisoft, so we know they're going to have the Division Two. They've already announced that. I'm not super interested. I guess, similarly to Anthem, what would make me interested is making me believe that if I played through all of the content by myself, that I would still get a full experience. That's kind of what I, I would want out of a Division 2 reveal. Okay. Um, we, we also talked about this last episode, but an open-world Splinter Cell game would be fucking awesome. Yeah, I think awesome. that'd be great. That'd I'm, be a really cool thing to close the show with. I'm ready for uh, that. Yeah, totally agree. So, uh, that, I mean... Even though Ubisoft, all they do is open world games and they all feel pretty similar, there's enough newness to Splinter Cell in a mechanical perspective with more focus on stealth. It could be a little bit more like Metal Gear Solid Five, where like there's the open world quest structure with like chapters, that kind of thing. If they followed a little bit of that blueprint, I think it would be really cool. So we'll see. I, obviously, I'm sure they'll have a bunch of stuff I won't care about, like a dancing game and a racing game or whatever, but... Those are kind of the big things that jump out to me that uh, would at least get me excited for Ubisoft games in the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I think the end of Ubisoft's conference needs to be a black stage, and then you just see three green lights pop yeah. on, and then Michael yeah. Ironside like crawls up over the edge of the stage. <laughs> or the, or I, was with you. I was with you until that last part. <laughs> Michael Ironside rapples down the side of mm-hmm. the uh, side of the the screen. <laughs> we can hope. We can hope. Maybe. I don't know if he can. Maybe he just hosts the whole thing. Yeah. He's the new Aisha Tyler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so moving on to the big three here. So Microsoft, it's a little more difficult just because 
I personally don't care about most of their exclusives, like Halo, Gears of War, Forza. I just don't really care. Crackdown 3. I'm sure all of those will be present in some way. I'm sure we'll get Crackdown 3 gameplay. I'm sure they'll announce a new Forza or some kind of racing game. I would not be at all surprised for a Halo 6 teaser trailer. I would not be at all surprised for a Gears 5 trailer. I just don't really care about those. So for me, in order to get me excited about this press conference... I would want some kind of new IP from one of their studios that looks cool. No idea what it would be, but that's something that could potentially get me excited is a new IP and not just yet another sequel on a franchise that they've been making for the past 15 years. Right. One thing I did add to them, uh, just because, you know, there's some third-party stuff, some of which will be at Sony, some of which will be at Microsoft. One thing that I would like to see that I think could make sense for Microsoft is a reveal for uh, The Wolf Among Us Season 2. That's just something I think that maybe they could have there. Telltale's new version. I loved Wolf Among Us, and uh, they've already said they're working on season two. So if they announced that and said, hey, it's starting in January or whenever else pretty soon, that that could get me pretty hyped. But that's not really Microsoft-related because I would play it on PlayStation. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Anything that they could have for you that would make you get excited? So they, I mean, you care more about Halo than I do. Yeah, um, but not with 343 making it. I want a new right. studio. I don't think they're doing anything good with it. Um, and this could be at Microsoft's or Sony's, but maybe something on like a new Resident Evil game. Because I mean, because hmm. 7 came out at the beginning of last year, so it's been a year and a half, and they've done all the DLC they're going to do for it. Um, and I feel like... Resident Evil 7 did very, very well for them. And I feel yeah. like if they want to strike while the iron's still hot and people are still like, yeah, Resident Evil 7, okay. Uh, maybe they tease something or they announce like, hey, this is going to be 8 or something. I don't know. I okay. feel like that's probably like a next year thing, but I don't know. Yeah, that's probably where I would guess. Like, It seems a little too soon, but... Like, what would you think, like, what would you expect from a new Resident Evil? Would it be first person again? Probably. I think yeah, I think that's people the new direction. reacted well to it. And I enjoyed it, yeah. certainly. Um, yeah, I don't know what the next Resident Evil looks like, honestly. I don't I don't know what that would be. Yeah. I I mean I'm not a Resident Evil person, but it certainly seems like I know you liked Resident Evil five, but it, it people don't look at that game with a ton of Great feelings, and certainly Resident Evil 6, most folks hated. And then now that they moved to first person and made it a little bit more horror and not as action-y with Resident Evil 7, it seemed like that really connected with folks. So I think it makes sense to try to, like you said, strike while the iron's hot and stick with that as the aesthetic for Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil 7 Biohazard 2, whatever they call this game. Right. That would probably be a bad title. Resident Evil 7 Biohazard 2. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a bad title. But, uh... Yeah, I don't know. Well, because I could then see in that. Europe it would be Biohazard, Biohazard Two. What? Because in Europe and Japan it's Biohazard, not Resident Evil. Oh, interesting. So it'd just be called Biohazard Two, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what about Sony? So this is kind of the you know one that we're most invested in. We're definitely going to get The Last of Us Part Two. I would yeah. guess that we'll have like some kind of gameplay uh, demo where you're actually seeing some of the combat, some of the story characters, etc. Um, I would love to get a, a firm release date sometime in the spring of 2019. I think it would be nice. Kingdom Hearts 3 is a potential. This is another one that, you know, it could theoretically be at Microsoft's, but they've partnered with Sony in the past. Uh, 
there's still a chance that this game's coming out this year, which I find hard to believe, but yeah. that would certainly be cool if they had like a November release date. Right now, the fall is looking a little weird for game releases. It is. Because, you know, Red Red Dead and Call of Duty are both in October. Granted, we don't have the Battlefield release date, which that could be November, but they could try to get out ahead of Call of Duty as well and maybe do even earlier in October. Who knows? But um, if Kingdom Hearts 3 did like a November release, it would be kind of by itself right now so i could see that if the game will be ready but i don't think it will be ready i don't think so either um, um oh i just realized probably we see something on another hitman ah uh, okay because they yeah like a season two yeah, they, or whatever i think they said there are there are rumors of a season two so i wonder if we could right. probably see something like that mm-hmm. plans for like an outline well and i mean in, in like io interactive bought the hitman rights uh, so that like they can do whatever they want with the game. So yeah, I don't know if they would call it season two or if it would be a new Hitman or whatever. But I think the episodic structure seems like it worked really well it for did. that game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that 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 would be cool. I could see that at a, at a Sony press conference for sure. Yeah. I, we're gonna get more Days Gone. That, I mean, they did re- a delay that to 2019, but I think we see some more. It might just be like a trailer because we've already seen a lot of gameplay of that game. Right. And if they're gonna show The Last of Us two, they are still fairly similar aesthetically and that would maybe be a little bit too much post-apocalypse zombies woods right vibe <laughs> so i could see it just being a trailer some kind of dramatic yeah slow cover of a you know rock song cheesiness <laughs> uh um, i'd say it probably like they would want to introduce whoever the villain is going to be because we don't have okay. that we don't know that kind of information yeah, yet that's true like, if there is mm-hmm. a proper villain um or kind of just introduce what the big conflict is going to be. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. A little more of the story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would love a Guacamelee 2 release announcement because they've already said that they're working on it. We got a trailer for it. They said it's coming soon. So I would want us to get a trailer for Guacamelee 2 that ends with available now. <laughs> That's what I want to happen. Because Guacamelee 1 is a phenomenal game, and I would really, really like to play Guacamelee 2 this summer. That sounds like an awesome summer game. Yeah. Th- those are my favorite things out of E3 is the, the available, available now. nows. Yeah. yeah, we haven't had any big ones recently, Because, like, they, right? they did, they, like... um, two years ago, was it two years ago? They did, um, uh, oh, crud. What was the demo for the Silent Hill game that never came out? PT. PT. It was like, oh, you mm-hmm. can download the PT demo right now and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Yeah, we, we've been missing out on that lately. I mean, obviously, it's a risky uh, marketing move to do that because you don't know how, if it's going to work or not. But, yeah, but for the like, consumer, it's a fun Basically, thing. the whole world is watching at that moment. It's true. Like, the entire yeah, gaming community is watching yeah. at that moment. Um, yeah. So... Uh, and then Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, yeah. Did you yeah. write this? Yeah, I did. I put that in there. I, I would yeah. like to see anything on that, Agreed. please. I agree with you. <laughs> I, I it, it's a tough one just because we've seen so little of it. Like, I still, part of me doesn't think it's actually going to happen because we've seen so little about it. Uh, but obviously, some kind of trailer or gameplay sequence, whatever, would add validity to the fact that it's a real thing that's actually going to come out at some point. Yeah, and they're saying, like, they want to release it over the course of, like, two or three installments. Um, right. So, like, I don't know if, like, that's still the case or... Like, right. I don't know. What I that would know. even mean. Right. Yeah, it, it seems like such a weird project. 
But a poten- I mean, obviously a potentially cool one. Doing right. it some kind of modern action uh, combat system would be really rad. So who knows? Uh, and then finally, Nintendo, who's on Tuesday. So they're having like a Splatoon 2 and a uh, Smash Brothers tournament on that day. Like in between their, not press conference, but their direct or whatever live stream, whatever you want to call it. They're still saying that this new Smash is coming out in 2018. And if that's the case, they have to show us more about it. Like yeah. there has to be an actual trailer with real fight fighting happen, reveal some of the characters... And I still am praying to God that this isn't just upgrading the Wii U version on Switch. I really hope that it's a new game with some new characters, new maps, etc. I would be really disappointed if it was just the Wii U version on Switch. So hopefully that's not the case. Yeah, same. Uh, I mean, I don't really care either way. but uh, Yeah, I know you don't care. But for the people who are excited about it, Mm -hmm. I hope that is the case. Like most people... Yes. Like the one or two people that are into it. So I know what you would care about is Animal Crossing. Yes. Oh, my God. So I, I just, I think Animal Crossing Pocket Camp is just doing too well for them. I think it's doing mm. too well. I don't know what their retention is like uh, globally, mm-hmm. but I know it's still really big in Japan. And that's making them a lot of money. And so I know, like, a console Animal Crossing without all this monetization implementation that doesn't make as much fiscal sense. And I also know that recently Nintendo came out and said something... Someone working at Nintendo said something to the effect of, all we need is, like, one really big mobile game and we could make a ton of money and be in a really good spot. Um, So Then make good mobile games. Right. Um, so I don't, I, this is a total pie in the sky, Animal Crossing on Switch, but it's time, man. It is so time. I would not be surprised at all by this. I mean, they've had an Animal Crossing on every major home console, haven't they not? Yeah. And like, it makes so much sense because their mobile Animal Crossing stuff, like uh, the handheld Animal Crossing stuff performed very well for them yep and like that's a great way to play it be able to bring it with you and still get your time in every day and the switch is both a console and a portable so it's like it's the perfect platform for this um yeah for a core animal crossing experience man i want it (laughs) so bad well hopefully that does happen uh i would say probably my biggest hope is Pokemon. Oh man. <sighs> I would lose my shit. I would especially because I own a Wii or a Switch now. Like I remember we yeah. uh I think it was like <laughs> after E3 last year when we did kind of our E3 wrap up episodes yeah. which were like some of our per- first podcasts. Well, cuz they came out and we said talked about they were working on a Pokemon game. That they were yes. They were working on a ho- on a home console Pokemon game and I was like that that would get me to buy a Switch. Well, guess what bitches? I already got the Switch, <laughs> so now I can be even more excited for a Pokemon game. Yeah. Uh obviously they I mean they mentioned they had just started working on it. So, it's not like I think this is coming out before 2020, but Maybe it, maybe it could come out before 2020, and maybe we could get some kind of trailer, even if it's just a simple like, you know, uh, fade up from black, and like you see this uh, meadow with a bunch of grass, and then like a character who's shadowed walks out into the grass, and then all of a sudden like some you know uh, combat music starts to play. It swipes, and then you just like see his face without you. You like just see his see the hat. With the little L, and he just turns around. 
like he flips this hat backwards like Ash always does when he goes into combat. Yeah. If that's all we got, just that kind of little stinger, little teaser trailer, I would lose my shit. I'm getting excited <laughs> just thinking about this. That would be a really good teaser trailer. I'm going to call Miyamoto or whoever that I need to call at Nintendo right now and pitch that. They have a month. They could put a trailer together like Man, that. But like, what if, what if it's this fucking Pokemon Battle Coliseum whatever shit where like you're capturing the shadow Pokemon from other trainers? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I feel like Nintendo knows their audience better than that. They know, especially after, like, Pokemon Coliseum came out on 64, like, they haven't had another home Pokemon game since then. I mean, like, Pokemon, whatever, yeah, they, the they fighting have, game. Yeah, they have several, they had several on GameCube, and they had several on Wii that were, like, these the, shitty but, but off-brand the, Pokemon games. Right, but they weren't Pokemon combat games. It was, like, the Pokemon, whatever, Dungeon Rescue, no, like, like, those offshoot the ones I'm talking about are, like, you play as a trainer, and you're going through a story, you have your own team, and there's, like, normal battles, like, 3D rendered Pokemon, but they selected a few Pokemon to be in the game, not all of them, and from different generations, and you're battling these other trainers who have, like, shadow Pokemon, and you, like, capture them, and, like, from the other trainers, you catch their Pokemon, and then, like, de-shadow them, and then you can use them in your party... And like I forget what they're what called. What is this game? Uh, like so, I know there was like a Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness or something. Pokemon the fuck? GameCube. I've never heard games. of this. And maybe because it was bad. Yeah, I mean it's um yeah XD Gale of Darkness. I think was GameCube. Um, yeah, that was a GameCube one. Oh god! And then like yeah, I think just Pokemon Coliseum on the GameCube was another one that was like that. Coliseum was on 64. But there was also a Coliseum on the GameCube. Oh, all right. Um, and then, yeah, Pokemon Battle Revolution on the Wii. Um, wow, I've never heard of these. And it's probably because they're bad. Yeah, it's they're really bad. And I'm worried well, that's, that's what it's going to be like. Yeah, I, I still feel like my point stands, though. They know that what people want is an open-world-esque traditional pokemon game on switch and because they have the home and mobile crossover that makes so much sense and i'm not saying they just make pokemon uh sun whatever fuck sun and moon pokemon go switch right it's not like they just it's not like they just make pokemon sun and moon on switch and it's the same exact kind of thing you have to make it a little bigger a little grander because it's a home console game but like if they made it breath of the wild style where it was a straight-up, third-person, from-the-back, open-world game, like Breath of the Wild, where it had, like, puzzle mechanics, and you used Pokemon in... Like, you didn't just teach them cut to cut down a tree. Like, there was some kind of puzzle that you had to use different types of Pokemon to help solve. Like, that kind of game with the combat being centered around battles. And they could be real-time, I don't know. Like, maybe, you know, you carry your six Pokemon, and instead of cutting away to a turn-based battle, it's more like you come across a random Pidgey out in the wild, and you have your your Pokemon, your six Pokemon, you select them with the D-pad, you throw out the Venusaur, and then I don't know if you control the Venusaur, or if you can give him specific attacks to use, or whatever. I don't know how that works, but, like, something like that I think they can do. And that, to me, sounds really cool. Like, it sounds like a modern take on 
the handheld version of Pokemon. Like, it sounds like a bigger, grander scale of a Pokemon game. But it also sounds like more work than they would ever put into a Pokemon game. I don't agree. I don't agree with that. They're, they are treating their IP with a lot more care than they have in the past. And they're seeing success from that on the Switch. What they've done with their Switch games, their first-party games, they're not shovelware. They're not, we just need to get these out to sell this console. They know that they can take their time because the Switch is selling so well and has sold so well. And it's proven the games like Super Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, that they put a lot of development and thought into are phenomenal games that win awards and sell millions of copies. I feel like they, they're they learning they're becoming a more Nintendo is becoming a more modern company with more new ideas than they have in the past. I just can't imagine that they're going to make it a Pokemon Go style experience or just do Pokemon Sun and Moon available on Switch or do a Pokemon Coliseum type game. I just can't imagine that's what they're going to do. But that might be more hope than it is actual belief. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean like my ideal game is like what you said, totally open world, 3D. Um, you fight as the Pokemon in, in the battles mm-hmm. in real time. And um, it's every region ever fully modeled <laughs> in 3D. And you can run through <laughs> it and like no load times for the buildings. You just you open a door and you're in a Pokemon Center. And like mm-hmm. you're talking to people. And you can go into the casino, and you can, like, play slots and do all that fun side stuff that they have in the games, but also the fun sides. Like, there are festivals going on in different towns. The stuff that's yeah. fun from the shows where they build out the world, yeah. put inject more of that to make it feel more real um, and feel more like a, a, a place you want to stay. And... Just have all of the Pokemon in it. Don't make multiple versions. Like all 700? Yeah. Have all of the Pokemon in it, all of the regions. Like you said, a little, like more puzzle elements. And make it like this big grand story with like, I don't even, like hundreds of thousands of hours of gameplay. And even if like, crazy idea, they mm-hmm. release a region at a time. And there's, like, a story through line that carries you from region to region, but it's one region at a time, and the rest of the regions are, like, either buying DLC or, like, expansions, essentially, off the main game. Like, every year or so, they release another of the regions or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think Nintendo has yet to prove that they get the games as a service thing. Well, for sure. Would be my only thing about that and especially even like even online multiplayer it sounds like they're still struggling with the idea of having all the regions and the open world to explore totally i think when it comes to the combat if they have all 700 pokemon and you actually are controlling the pokemon while you fight that i have a hard time thinking could happen because that's a lot of combat to create yeah. unique moves. Well, that's for all why the I'm Pokemon. saying they split it yes, into the regions the hot, and they tackle the a region at a time. But like honestly, right. they have a lot of that animation stuff down from uh, like previous games they've done. Like mm. Pokemon Go, they have a lot of those idle animations already programmed for a lot of the Pokemon, and including some combat animations like Pokemon Coliseum and different stuff like that. Like those animations already exist in some form for many different yeah. Pokemon. 
um, for many different moves. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I just want it to be a modern take on a traditional Pokemon experience. Sure. That's what I'm looking for. Not not a gimmicky thing. Right. If that's if that's what it is, I will be happy. Me too. Uh, all right. So, let's jump into Hate of the Week. Hate of the Week. So, this episode's Hate of the Week belongs to aggressive sports fans. So, this is like an epidemic of colossal proportions. I mean, globally, this is a problem. Obviously, you see all the news stories of, like, people fucking dying at soccer matches because folks get in a fight and someone throws someone else over a, you know, like, down flight of stairs. Like, that stuff happens crazy. That's not super what I'm talking about here. I mean more on a smaller, pettier scale of aggressive sports fans. So these are the people that, like, will want to get in a fight with you or yell at you because you like a team that they don't like. Like those, like you go to the bar and, hey, the Atlanta Falcons are playing the Colts. And I go to the bar and I'm wearing my Colts shirt. And everyone there is a Falcons fan. And some dude gets all up in my face and he's yelling at me, telling me how the Colts suck, blah, blah, blah. Those kinds of people. I remember, this was a while ago, a couple years ago. But there was when uh, Dad was in town, and him, Kelly, and I went to an Atlanta Falcons NFL game, and they were playing the Colts. And so we went and rooted for the Colts. We were wearing Colts shirts, and there was a dude sitting in front of us that the entire game kept turning around, shitting on the Colts, and like being a drunk asshole, and like ruining the experience, just being a dick. And my thing is like, are you on the Atlanta Falcons? Are you a player? Is your son on the Atlanta Falcons? Do you own the team? What is your investment in the Atlanta Falcons? Why are you a fan of them? Because you live in the town that they play in. That's why you like the team. That's the only connection you have to the team. Guess what, buddy? If next year the Atlanta Falcons announced that they were going to move to Minnesota and they were going to be the Minnesota Falcons, you would fucking hate them. You would hate every player. You would boo them every chance you could get. You aren't a Falcons fan. You're a fan of the team that plays in your town. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't even give a shit. And it just made me think of Jerry Seinfeld has a really old bit about this. Where it's like, you aren't rooting for a team. Because if the team moves, you would boo them. You aren't rooting for the players. Because there's already proof that like if a player moves to a different team, you hate that player now. You boo that player whenever he comes to town. <laughs> You're not rooting for the team. You're not rooting for the town. You're not rooting for the player. You're just rooting for the shirt. The shirts that these guys wear. That's what you're rooting for. The jersey. The shirt. And so like you see a team or the player moves and he's now on a new team. You're like, boo! Wrong shirt! Wrong shirt! Boo! Like that's <laughs> what you're rooting for is you're rooting for a shirt. And so I don't know. It just like I get being a passionate sports fan. There I really like there are a lot of teams that I really like. I like the NFL, I like college basketball, I'm a big Colts fan, I'm a Cubs fan. Like there are teams that I root for that I enjoy. But I would never get in someone's face. Like so the the Indiana Hoosiers, college basketball team, I'm a fan of them. Their big rival, Purdue Boilermakers, another Indiana college. They're huge rivals, have been for years and years and years. If someone was rooting for the Purdue Boilermakers in a game where they were... Like, I would not get in that guy's face and be threatening him and just making fun. Like, that's so 
sad is what it is. It's, it's sad. It's childish and sad. Cause and again, like you, your investment in this team is so you choose to like this team. Nothing about this team is intrinsic to your life. Where you you, it's not like we're at war and you're rooting for the United States against North Korea. This is not life and death where the outcome matters to your life. This is two sports teams with people getting paid, at least on a professional level, getting paid far more money than I will ever see in my entire life. Like, who gives a shit really is what it is. And I'm not saying don't root for folks. I love watching sports. I like rooting for my teams. And against the teams I don't like, I hate Tom Brady with a passion. I hate the Patriots. I will always root against them. But if someone is rooting for the Patriots, I'm not going to try to fight that person. Come on. Let's all grow up a little bit here. No. Maybe it's the beer. It's the beer's fault, probably. No, people are just dogs. assholes. No matter where you go. And people. Anywhere people, and people gather, are just assholes. it's yeah. a problem because people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so before wrapping up, we did get an email. So thanks to Aaron, who wrote in after I basically begged people to write in emails <laughs> last episode so aaron wrote in it's kind of a twofer so one we have a correction about the game we talked about last episode episode called brawl out so i mentioned that it's coming to ps4 they added juan from guacamole the hyperlight drifter dude but that it seemed like a weird smash brothers knockoff and a bunch of characters nobody knew about well all that's true but what we didn't realize and i should have looked into that game already came out a while ago on switch oh and so like there are reviews in it i think it has like a 50 some on metacritic maybe like a 60 so it, it is it does seem like it's kind of a bad game okay. and they added Juan and the hyperlight drifter guy for the ps4 version so that makes a lot more sense yes. of why those are the only two characters obviously doesn't make me want to play the game anymore no. but uh so that's that's my fault for not looking into that i should have done that it seemed like it was a new game announcement but it was just that it was coming to ps4 from switch so thank you aaron for that he also writes in and i will read this verbatim I'm really bummed about Dark Souls being delayed for the Switch. I never got around to playing it, so I figured this would be a great time and a great game to play on Switch since it uh, is a last-gen remaster. I may end up getting it on my PS4 Pro if the wait is too long, which bums me out. Leads me to a larger point. I really want more Switch releases alongside other platforms. I like my Switch, and in many cases, the portability outweighs the enhanced graphics on the PS4 but I often end up picking the game up on PS4 because I don't want to have to wait six months, which is incredibly irritating. I agree on that. I'm really hoping this gets better in that regard, and I assume it's safe to say you guys feel similarly. So I will say I do feel similarly. I would love it if more games released simultaneously on Switch versus PlayStation, Xbox, etc., PC. I do want that to change. Unfortunately, I don't see it changing because the architecture of the systems are so different. So this you can go back to the Xbox 360 PS3 days where the architecture of those systems were so different that a developer had to pick a platform to be its lead platform, its main development platform. Most of that happened on Xbox 360 because it sold a lot better. And so I guess you didn't often see PS3 releases happening afterwards, but you did see them being unoptimized because the PS3 version, not that it was an afterthought, but it was additional development work versus the main 360 platform. Right. The Switch is selling very well, 
but it has not sold like the Xbox One or the PlayStation 4. And the PlayStation 4 seems to be the main development system for a lot of developers. But because the PS4 and the Xbox One are so similar, there isn't a huge difference. You're not seeing a, a downgraded version of a game on Xbox. But because the Switch is so different, they have to think about a different type of controller, different additional screen, the mobile ability, the that it's far less powerful than either of the other systems. I just don't see them looking at a Switch the same way they look at it as an Xbox One and a PS4. Would it be nice if they all released at the same time? Absolutely. But I do think that would cause the Switch version to be unoptimized like the PS3 version was. I personally would rather wait for a game to release on Switch, like with Dark Souls, and feel like I'm getting the best of possible experience of that game on Switch. Yeah, I guess it just... It- uh, it's kind of like a game-by-game basis, right? So, like, the games that are less important to me that I feel like I can wait on, I would right. prefer to get on Switch just because, like, honestly, it's my two favorite platforms at the moment are PC or Switch because I can play both sitting at my computer watching videos. Like, okay. PS4 and Xbox One, I have to, like, that is singularly what I am doing because it's out in my living room. Right. I don't, like, have the capability. I mean, I guess I could move another TV out and, like... I don't know, hook Kara's laptop up to it and load up videos or yeah. something crazy like that. Right. Um, and, like, sometimes I will load up something on my phone and play it via my Bluetooth sound bar while I'm playing a game on the TV and just, like, mm-hmm. listen to stuff. Sometimes I'll do that. Um, but I just don't really like doing that. Um, so if it's a game that I'm less invested in initially, I would probably be okay with waiting for the Switch. But if it's, if it's a game like... Like God of War was initially for me, and um, uh, I guess more recently, um, oh God, <laughs> what's the other game? Oh, Far Cry Five, because I was like excited ah. to play it. Yes, um, I I wanted to get those right away. So, yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's kind of for me. So, it's kind of a pick and choose. I mean, obviously, like wish, wish upon yes. a star. Everything came out at the same time. But realistically, I think I'm in your camp, Shay, of I would rather wait for the best version of it for games that I'm not really invested in before they come out. Yeah. And obviously, like, that doesn't make it any more enjoyable to not be able to play the thing you want to play the way you want to play the thing. That still sucks. But... I would just prefer that to being able to play it, like being able to play Dark Souls on Switch on May 25th and having it be a crappy experience. Right. Because that you can't take back. I, I think it's Miyamoto that always said, like, uh, uh, like a, a delayed game is eventually good. A bad game is always bad. That's a, a paraphrase. But basically the message is, like, would you rather a game release right now and have it not be finished? Or would you rather wait a couple months and have it be the best version of that game? I think anyone would rather wait and have the better version of that game. And I think this is an example of that. Yeah. So, sorry, Aaron. I agree it's frustrating to not be able to, to play it. I will say, I mean, they've said that it'll come out in the summer. So, it shouldn't be a super long wait. A couple months, probably. Uh, so, if, I mean, if you want to be able to play it on Switch, be able to play it on the go, and you haven't played Dark Souls before, I would say it's worth waiting. But that that's just me. I certainly wouldn't blame you for picking it up on PS4 since you can get it sooner, though. Yeah, especially, like, when it's over the summer and you're probably going to be outgoing places doing things more. It makes right. more sense to, like try and get the portable version of it yeah 
So thank you, Aaron, for the email and for the correction as well. Uh, if anyone else wants to write in an email, you can send to info at shayhateseverything.com or you can shoot me a message on our Facebook page, which is slash shayhateseverything, or on Twitter, at shay underscore castle. Whatever is easiest for you, we just want to hear from you so we can talk about you and tell you how smart you are, just like we did for Aaron. You're smart, buddy. Thanks. I'm, I'm like giving finger guns at the computer screen yep. right now, but no one can see <laughs> no it. No one can see it. Audio um, format. <laughs> so uh, speaking of audio format, uh, reiterate, check out shadeseverything.com. All of our podcast show notes are there. If you heard anything here that you want to see a little bit more about, that's a great place to go. Read the articles, uh, watch the trailers, etc. So to wrap up the episode, I will say that today I don't hate clothes shopping, which sounds really lame, but Kelly and I are going to the outlet malls today. We both still have some birthday money left over, Ah. so we're going to buy some clothes. I'm going to go to the Vans outlet, get some new shoes, going to get a couple new button-down shirts, maybe a short sleeve, might get a new pair of jeans. It's a very adult thing, but I enjoy clothes shopping. You enjoy clothes shopping when you have money. (laughs) <laughs> sure, fair enough. Because otherwise, enough. it's Kohl's discount rack all the way, and that's yeah, but not that's, fun. But even that's fine. Like I, I, I go to Target a lot. Like I get some jeans from Target, t-shirts, etc., which are super cheap. I like. I just like clothes shopping. I like going and looking to see what they have. I, I like fashion. Yeah, I, I buy a lot of like novelty shirts and stuff. Um, yes. And my most recent purchase, uh, I, I got it, and then that day I decided to wear it on Friday. It is Reading Rambo, and it's the Reading Rainbow icon, like iconography, but it says Rambo right. instead of Rainbow, right. and it has I can't remember the black guy's name, but he all he it's the black guy from Reading Rainbow, but he also plays Jordy LaForge on Star Trek: Next Generation, so it's him right. as Jordy LaForge, but with ripped Rambo arms firing a machine gun and screaming. So it has a lot of That's layers. That's too many things. It has a lot That's of layers. Too many things. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> if it was just Rambo, I'd be more on board. Reading Rambo with Rambo, you know, sliced alone with the machine gun with the Rambo over his head. That I can follow. But the addition of him as Jordy is weird. What makes to me. it good. That's where, that's where it loses. It's what makes me. it good. All right. That, that's fine. It's your shirt. <laughs> the only person that needs to love it is you. And I guess Kara because she is going to see you the most. Yeah. Wearing well, it. and so for Kara's birthday, we went to one of the breakout games things. We did one of those, you know, the uh, breakout room. Oh, the uh, whatever room. Yeah. What, what's that called? Yeah, room escape. Puzzle room. Yeah. Ru- escape yeah, room. Yeah, escape yeah. room. Um, we did one of those, and the guy who was giving us the presentation thing at the beginning he kept looking at me and looking at me. He's like, and right after he finished, he's like, I'm sorry, I just got to say, where did you get that shirt? It was tripping me up the whole time. I love it. That's and awesome. then as we were leaving the place, we like took our picture and we were like walking out and a guy from another group like did a double take and was like leaning around Kara's dad to look at my shirt. Um so yeah. I got it that day and that day two people were very interested in it. So it's a fascinating piece of apparel. Anyways, Today I don't hate slippers because it's a little chilly See, in my that's house. clothing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> a little chilly in my house and my feet were cold and I put on my slippers and everything got better. What kind of slippers are they? They're like the open back. So, cuz I my mm-hmm. my feet sweat like crazy, like really really Mine bad. Too. So I had those like really plush furry ones 
and those right. got nasty after like a week right. and they smelled terrible. So I just got yeah. these like memory foam ones with no back. Okay. So those aren't That's smart. Yeah. I should get something like that. Yeah. Cuz the slippers I wear are Batman slippers that are like the big clo- they're like fully fully enrapture my foot right. and have a big Batman on top. They're awesome, but yes, my feet also sweat. And I think a lot. Those ones are probably really old. They are old. And so they probably smell super terrible. Probably. <laughs> I never I have not stuck my nose in there. Nor would I, but I imagine <laughs> they're not like a garden meadow. Yeah. My my other ones, the furry ones, as soon as I would take my foot out of them, it's like you had to leave the you room. You could smell it. oof, that's bad. bad. That's I, really bad. Well, we had to toss those. Yeah. I, yeah, I could definitely use especially because in the winter, because we have hardwood floors throughout most of our apartment, mm. I bet you the floor is going to be pretty cold. Yes. So I should I should probably get some slippers. You should. But my feet just sweat so much. Even just wearing socks. Like, I have some thicker, softer socks that I wear sometimes when my feet are cold. And my they just sweat after five minutes yeah. just wearing those socks. Well, the nice thing about Sucks. these slippers, since they have no back, they're so easy to slip on and off. Right. And then get, right, like, right, a right. couple minutes of air time, and then you pop yeah. them back on. So. And there's a little bit of breathe there, too, because right. it's open. It's like when you're sleeping in bed, and it's cold outside, but under the covers, you're, like, too hot. So you, like, stick one, one leg, leg out, out yep. and you get that little bit of cold air that, like, spreads across your body. It's good stuff. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll end on that, you know, really important slipper uh, hot and cold yeah, topic. Yeah, PSA. But uh, <laughs> be sure to check out ShadesEverything.com for written opinions on video games, movies, television, comics, and other shit that matters. Thank you, Kyle, for joining me, as always. You got it. And we will see you guys in a couple of weeks for some more E3 prep. Oh, boy. I believe I will have seen Deadpool 2 before our next episode, so we can talk about that. And then after that, we got Solo. So we got some uh, some movies coming out. I'm excited to talk about those. Go see Avengers. And then next week, we can talk a little bit more about spoilers. Only if Hawkeye dies. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace out.